Excuse me, miss. Why are you dressed for laser tag? Oh, boy. You guys don't have any clue, do you? I'm here to stop the shapeshifters that are infiltrating your planet. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Radioactive spider. It's pop culture leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Jake, welcome back. Hey, thank you. Thank you. So great to be back. Mm hmm. Great to be back. I'll, I'll divulge a little bit more about my absence on, on a different episode. I don't want to uh, get in on it into the Captain Marvel fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, don't bring everybody down. Jesus Christ. Hey, uh, you know, uh, we get a lot of new listeners and stuff for that for the big Marvel movies. So, you know, a lot of people just won't even give a fuck. I know. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just happy to have you back, Jake. You don't even have to get you. Know, you know, these people, you don't need to tell anybody anything. All right. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. Uh, let's see here. Hey, we are not alone this week. We are talking Captain Marvel, but we are not alone. Uh, we are joined by, I don't know, uh, is this the second or third week in a row? I can't remember. Rebecca Daling, welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to talk about Captain Marvel. Uh, and uh, yes, uh, we're also joined by Captain Marvel superfan Ashley Derivator. Ashley, welcome back. Oh, I'm super happy to be there. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yes, uh, I'm thrilled to have you on. I'm thrilled to have Rebecca on. Thrilled to have Jake back on. Uh, guys, stick around for the end of the podcast where we're going to get into how this movie fits into Endgame and what we can expect from Captain Marvel 2 and uh, how I think that this movie ultimately does, contrary to popular belief, set up Secret Invasion. So this is something that most people are assuming – isn't going to happen after watching this film. And I think it not only sets it up, but I think it sets it up in a brilliant way. So stick around for the end of the podcast for that. And we are going to be jumping directly into spoilers. So I'm going to give you spoiler warning right now. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dick hole. You have been warned. Spoiler pussies. All right, real quick question, guys. When I said that I think that this sets up Secret Invasion, did you guys think I was crazy when I said that? I want to know. I was really excited when you said it. I mean, you know, because obviously one of the big swerves is that the squirrels are seemingly a, a good race, or at least mm -hmm. the ones we've seen. So, yeah. yeah, I love it. I'm excited to hear this. Okay, so, but, but going, but like before this, like, had I, had I not said that, 
and you're you're coming out of Captain Marvel. We've got sympathetic scrolls. You're thinking no secret invasion, right? Or am I? Or were you no. kind of like up in the it, air? I thought it during the movie. I was like, well, seemingly we're not doing that yeah. within the next two movies or you know mm-hmm. five movies or whatever. Okay, Rebecca, any thoughts? I had I had the exact same thought. The movie ended, and I was like, well, so much for secret invasion. Like that was my exact <laughs> thought. And then, like the more I thought about it, and we'll get into it. I'm sure. The more I thought about it, I was like. No, that's not what this movie means at all, Rebecca. I think it means other things, too. So I'm glad that you started out by saying that because I think knee-jerk reaction was no secret invasion. Yeah, and I think that this – I mean, and it could go either way. I'm not saying, guys, it's going to tip one way or the other. But I think that it could tip in favor of Secret Invasion. So I can't wait to talk about that towards the end of the podcast. But uh, here we go. Captain Marvel, set in 1995, the story follows Carol Danvers as she becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. Uh, This is the 21st film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The film is written and directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. Uh, They also did Mississippi Grind with Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, this is also this also has uh, Geneva Robertson Dwarit contributing to the screenplay. Uh, Pinar Toprak signed on to compose the film's score, which makes her the first woman to score an MCU film. Uh, Brie Larson stars as Carol Danvers, alongside Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, Ben Mendelsohn, Jaiman Hansu, Lee Pace, Lashana Lynch, Gemma Chan, Annette Bening, Clark Gregg, and Jude Law. Captain Marvel has a runtime of 124 minutes with an estimated budget of $152 million. I want to go over some interesting facts about the movie, and then we're going to rate this bad boy. So here we go. Uh, I found out um, they wanted to 100% make sure that Brie Larson was going to be old enough to portray a pilot in the Air Force. So screenwriter Nicole Perlman, she talked with the U.S. Air Force, and they said it was possible for someone between... 28 and 34 to become an accomplished pilot like Danvers. I thought it was really cool that they did their homework. Um, I thought it was really cool that, of course, I mean, a lot of actors do this, but she, Brie Larson actually went to the, you know, U.S. Air Force Base and, you know, hung out with these pilots, got to know them, and uh, I don't know. I just think that they really did a lot of good things, a lot of great things here and did their homework as far as that's concerned. Um, found out Keanu Reeves was in talks to play Marvell, but he turned down the role. Uh, Brie Larson, hmm. when her casting was announced, yeah, I think he decided to just go ahead and do John Wick 3. What is, yeah, what is that make, thumping I don't know noise. what's going on. Uh, when Brie Larson's casting was announced at Comic-Con, CNN ran the headline, Shazam, Brie Larson is Captain Marvel. They did not realize that uh, they just promoted her as the wrong Captain Marvel. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> That's <goodness>. amazing. <laughs> yeah, CNN does not stand for Comic News Net. That is like, yeah. Uh, in, the, <laughs> in the comic books, Maria Rambo was the mother of Carol Danvers' friend and ally, Monica Rambo, who was a superhero who uh, went under the name of Photon, and then Maria uses the title Photon in this movie. So, I don't know. I, I want to talk about that a little bit later and see if you guys think that that's what they're going towards in the future. I don't know. But we're going to go ahead and rate this one. If this is your first time listening, I want you to be uh, ready to and uh, understand our rating system here. 
The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. So we will start off with Rebecca. What did you think about Captain Marvel? So, yeah, going into this movie, um, I was super excited. I was super pumped, much like I was when I saw Wonder Woman. Uh, Really excited to see a female superhero-led movie on the big screen. Uh, I did see this in IMAX um, to a completely packed theater, which is always fun on that opening Thursday night. Um, I tried to keep my expectations, you know, contained because I wasn't sure what I was going to get some early mixed reviews. Uh, I will say, however, that I absolutely adore and love and worship the ground this movie walks on. I Tupperware this movie. It is not uh, a perfect quote-unquote movie, uh, but there is so much amazing things in this movie. I thought Brie Larson was just wonderful, I thought her and Sam Jackson were incredible together. I loved Lashana Lynch as Maria. Um, I thought she was incredible. Um, Jude Law was 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 good. Annette Benning was fabulous in everything she's in. Um, I had a blast watching this movie. This movie, I teared up like five times watching this. Um, I enjoyed every second of this movie from beginning to end, and I 100% Tupperware it. All right. Uh, we got a Tupperware. Hey, uh, we're actually, I'm going to move on to Jake. Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I'm just going to go out right out in the gate and, and Tupperware it, too. I, man, I love this movie. And when I came in, I was, like, you know, a little bit weary about it. You know, sometimes the, the Marvel origin movies can be a bit tropey, a bit paint by numbers. You know, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of, you know, like the Thor, the Captain America and the Hulk, like the first movies. And a lot of times it's the second movie where, you, you know, you get a lot of the really fun stuff. So I was kind of taken aback by how much I loved this movie. I thought it had a really inventive way of kind of laying out its story. And I thought the pacing of this movie was, you know, quite brilliant beyond just like, you know, the supporting cast really giving, you know, it, it all to this movie like Annette Benning wasn't in this movie much but wow she just you know ate up every scene she was in and just all the supporting cast was so great and Brie herself I thought was fantastic as Captain Marvel you know I just loved the story and the way it was presented I, I was really taken aback by this honestly as far as the Marvel solo origin movies go I would put this behind just Iron Man for me and I absolutely Tupperware this thing and I really got a comment on the score, too. I was actually listening to it on Spotify a bit today. I, I really loved it and kind of the stuff they were doing in space I thought was really unique. It reminded me a lot of like 80s Carpenter type of synthy score stuff going on in space. And I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I, I was blown away by this. I can't wait to break it down and talk about all of it. It was fantastic. All right. Uh, let's see here. Hey, Ashley, I'll go next or you can go next. It's up to you. Your choice. Uh, I could go. Go for it. Go <laughs> um, for it. 
Man, oh man, this, so I was honestly, I've been so excited. I've been like reading everything and and so invested in everything going on. And then it was weird. It was like up until the Thursday I was seeing it, I had this like, just this anxiousness about it because I was so nervous <laughs> that it wouldn't be the, the movie that I kind of expected it to be. And I was trying so hard to, to keep my expectations in check, you know, kind of uh, along the lines of, of uh, Jake and Rebecca too, but um so I was just so anxious going in and my God, this movie was incredible. It was incredible. This is the movie that I have wanted my entire life. This is, I, I saw things and felt things and I cried and I laughed and, and, uh, and, and for what this movie had to do, it had to wear so many hats and, and for what it was, able, how they were able to execute it, um, was just, was just incredible. It was just, it was all the Easter eggs. It was a love story to Kelly Sue and her reimagining of this character and putting, putting that mantle of Captain Marvel onto Carol Danvers and, and all of the little pieces that were in there are just like a fan's dream. And so I could not be more proud and excited about this movie and the cast um like the score like you said incredible jake um the character moments uh, the love story between uh, you know the best friends between maria and carol was so beautiful and the the riff on the origin so fun and and like maybe my favorite version of it um the scrolls we go going into it thinking they're the enemy you know this is secret invasion it's about to get crazy and and the way that they they flipped that on its head too and yeah made you care about characters that at first you didn't and then made you dislike characters you kind of liked at the beginning like I, I loved all of that and they did it all in two hours and yeah so uh, you know absolute tupperware absolute tupperware all right. Um, yeah, three Tupperware. So, yeah, it all rests on my shoulders here uh, for the Tupperware party. <laughs> Fantastic. I've got a lot to say uh, about this uh, before we all start to unpack it. So if you'll let me get through this, um, that would be that'd be great. Here we go. Um, there is a lot to love about this movie. I love the interactions between Carol and Fury. Like, like that was one of the things when we saw, like, the previous trailers, I was like, that I hadn't seen in the trailers that they pulled back on. It gave us a little bit of it. And I said, in order for this movie to like succeed for me, they have to have really good interactions. And, um, this movie delivered on that. I thought that their chemistry was absolutely fantastic. Um, I thought Sam Jackson was great in this movie. Uh, the, you're looking for like the seams when it comes to like the de-aging and for an entire movie, I felt like I was watching Samuel Jackson from 1995. Like this was like Sam Jackson from live free or die hard. You know, this is, you know, so that was incredible. Um, he added his just his presence in this movie and the humor that he added was just fantastic. Uh, Brie Larson as Captain Marvel was great. I thought that um, uh, <laughs> even though she didn't really remember 100 percent who she was, I felt she was still a funny character. She had a lot of humor uh, in, in it. And I also thought that, uh, you know, with this movie being set in the 90s, she kind of like was like a, a blend of all like the action heroes that I really loved in the 90s. Um, you know, she had like the, the cockiness and the swagger of like a Harrison Ford or a Kurt Russell or even a Schwarzenegger at times. And I thought that that was really cool. And I liked that quite a bit. Um, and uh, there are 
there's a couple things that I didn't like. I, I thought that you guys really raved about the soundtrack. For me, I think it's one of the weaker soundtracks that they've had um, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And a couple of the songs really just were out of place. Um, and I, oh, actually, I'm going to get into those right now before I forget. Um, the uh, uh, No Doubt song would have been perfect had it started playing when she threw the scroll into the jukebox. When it just started playing like out of nowhere, I was like, you've done such a great job this entire movie of making sure that other characters had these 90 songs playing like either in a car with a security guard or Nick Fury driving in the desert onto Project Pegasus and they've got a song playing. And, you know, when she's in the bar and stuff like that, these songs have been playing throughout the movie, kind of like in a Guardians of the Galaxy way, kind of like naturally. Um, and here in that one part, great song. It's just the way it just kind of started out of nowhere when literally seconds later she throws a scroll into a jukebox. That's a perfect opportunity for that to play. Um, the second song was Come As You Are when she's talking to Supreme Intelligence and she sees Supreme Intelligence now wearing the jacket of uh, Wendy Lawson, which is like a new memory that she's got of Wendy uh, of this of Supreme Intelligence as Wendy Lawson. And then Come As You Are is playing, which makes no sense because that song came out in 1991 and she disappeared in 1989. She's never heard the song before in this movie unless the Rambos are playing it on repeat off screen and we didn't see it. So those are just minor nitpicks. Um, I was really impressed with the nonlinear storytelling in this one. Because it was daunting. They tried so hard to make this not like a Captain America type film. And I love Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, this could have gone really bad. This could have gone really, really bad doing it like nonlinear like this. Because we're not seeing those moments. We're seeing those moments in flashbacks in her head. Of her getting up, you know, being uh, kind of teased at the you know, Air Force Academy. Um, you know, her family, uh, you know, her father telling her to slow down in the go-kart. And, and uh, we're seeing all these little clips, but we're not in the moment watching these things happen. So we're learning these as she's learning them. This could have gone, gone disastrously. And I felt like at the beginning, I was like, is this going to work? Am I connecting with Carol here? And then I think it all kind of it all worked when we finally got to Louisiana and we met with uh, Maria Rambo and Maria Rambo kind of like put the put that uh, she tied the bow that and uh, around this whole package and it all came together. And um, by the time we get that moment where she's like, my name is Carol, it worked. And I've got, you know, my, my hair, like the hair on my arms is standing up. And so this was a it's the it's definitely the Marvel formula. But, man, did they try to do something different with it here? And it was daunting. And it was they took some big time risks with this one, in my opinion. And um, I thought Ben Mendelsohn was a standout. Like you've got the guy who's been like the villain for Rogue One. He's been the vil villain for Ready Player One. He, he was the sheriff of Nottingham and Robin Hood. And so we're just thinking oh, it's going to be classic evil Ben Mendelsohn here. And they give us a character that has depth and layers 
and they they we we get some of that Ben Mendelsohn humor, and it was fantastic. I Tupperware this movie. I think it is an accomplishment. I think Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck um, they deserve their props on this one. This was. I've seen this movie three times now, uh, once in IMAX and twice in 3D. How many times have you guys seen it? Uh, I saw it twice, both in IMAX. I saw it four times. Oh, <laughs> I <just> nice. Had, <laughs> I saw it all four days. I saw it I saw it opening night, uh, IMAX, um, regular. I saw it in 3D, and then I saw it in an Alamo Draft House today, so I could get all the cool merch that they had. But, oh, nice. Um, yeah, all the things. I'm so jealous. I've seen it twice. <laughs> I wish I could say it four times. I wanted to see it four times. That was great. <laughs> yeah, I went with a bunch of different friends. Like on uh, on Friday, I actually I convinced a bunch of people from my office. So we actually bought a whole row of 16 seats. And we went to the – we left at work a little early and all went to see the movie. So it was pretty cool. Oh, super fun. Yeah. Oh, I was – I. Some of the CG didn't look great in that final battle, and then some of the CG on Goose didn't look good either, in my opinion. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. The CG was not perfect. That is. Really Do you know why? You know why the CG was not great with Goose, right? No. Yes. That I, I, I think I do. Um, Brie Larson is allergic to cats. Incredibly oh, wow. allergic. Yeah, I saw an interview. I think she was on Good Morning America, and <laughs> she basically said that um, – she she trained like so many months and et cetera for this movie. And then what got her so worked up and nervous was the cat because she couldn't even touch the cat. Like she would break out in hives. Yeah. So oh anytime gosh. you see her with the cat, it's either CG or it's a body double. Somebody else is is, is touching the cat. It's, no, it's never her. <laughs> well, the cat was uh, – they used either a puppet or computer-generated VFX for – the cat with the scenes that she was really in Mm -hmm. and she went she said she said it became this joke because the crew would watch me all day doing crazy stunts i did that ropes course stunt 50 feet up in the air on the first week i threw a stunt person in a judo throw on a moving train day two but then the cat showed up on the set and i was like we need to have a plan. We need to have a, <laughs> we need to have a conversation. I see cat hair flying and I've got maybe 10 minutes before I break out in hives. So she's highly allergic. I used to be that way. So I know exactly what she's talking. Like my face would break out and it took it took months and months and months of hanging out with cats and taking like, you know, allergy pills and stuff like that before I built up a tolerance to, to cats. So I know exactly what she's talking about. Yeah, it's. That's that's terrible. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> wild. Oh, man. Yeah, just like any movie I love, there's definitely things that, you know, you can nitpick about it. Mm-hmm. I, too, rolled my eyes when the uh, No Doubt song kicked in. I, I just not only, like, the audio placement could have been better, but just a little too on the nose with the song choice and mm-hmm. the same kind of as the Come As You Are. Like, the score, the original score I really loved, but, man, I'm so picky about, like, when they use actual songs. And, mm-hmm. like, for me, like... On that part, nine out of ten of the the picks were pretty bad. I, I, so, that's so funny because like I liked both of those moments, and I didn't like other song choices. Like I thought when Waterfall started playing just randomly as they're driving, I was like, "Really? That's the song you pick? <laughs> like, <laughs> like really? You gotta understand. <laughs> it's you gotta understand, yeah. Ashley. Night. Okay, that's playing in the car, and in 1995, there was a. 80% chance when you turned on that's your true. radio that that's what you're going to fucking hear. I mean, like, my biggest problem is, like, she's been gone for six years. She's never heard Come As You Are by Nirvana. 
I mean, you're not right. You're not you know, right. How is that playing? Like, I understand she's wearing the T-shirt, but like everything that's new in that room is like memories that she's getting back, like the jacket now mm-hmm. that, uh, that Supreme Intelligence is wearing. And so like the song should be kind of like it should be like a like a like a warrant song or something. I mean, poison. Yeah. It shouldn't be Nirvana. Just, no, nothing like nothing grunge rock. Pep yeah, Avatar. They just like wanted that. to be that on the nose, you know. Come as you are is the awakened Carol Danvers, who knows mm-hmm. the person that she is, yeah. and that's the part that makes me kind of really roll my eyes. It's like, all right, guys, <laughs> you're not you're not fooling anyone. No one's like like only really dumb high boys are watching this and going, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're gonna hey, we're gonna unpack this, but I, I, we're gonna be jumping all over the place. First thing that I kind of want to bring up here before I forget is that Carol Danvers was powered by the Tesseract, the Space yes. Stone. Yeah. Yes. So she got her powers yeah. by the, from the Space Stone. Can I, can I throw this out there? Um, does this have any implications going forward as far as like these stones are concerned? I mean, we've, we've seen some of the stones, you know, power other superheroes that we've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Vision got his power from the Mind Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen, uh, we've seen, we've even seen uh, 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 Foster. Um, uh, what's her first name? Uh, Jen, is it Jen Foster? Jane? Jane. Jane Foster. We've seen Jane Foster kind of being taken over by the Aether, which was the mm-hmm. reality stone. We've seen, um, I'm trying to think of uh, wasn't it Scarlet Witch and and Quicksilver they, too, that, right? That was the Mind Stone for them, right? Uh, okay, was that the Mind Stone? Uh, yes, no, it, was. It, was oh, it was. It was the Mind Stone. It was the Scepter. It was the Mind, yeah, which was in the Mind, which was uh, the Mind Stone was in the Scepter because mm-hmm. both both Vision and Scarlet Witch, we it's kind of like they have a connection, um, and some of that connection we've always wondered is is it because they were both powered from the Mind Stone, and so. I mean, we've seen some of like these heroes be powered by these stones. So is is what does this have any future implications on Captain Marvel in Endgame and and how things play out as far as like she was powered by the space stone? Hmm. I I don't know. I I lean towards no, because unlike the other characters, like we we don't know about like her powers being dampened or weakened because of any of the events like she definitely in the little that we've seen seems like she's her normal powered up self, right? Well, she's, she's, she's not only a uh, combination of the space stone, but she also has uh Cree blood. I mean, she got a blood transfusion from, um, Yon Rog. Oh yeah. Yeah. From Jude Law's character. Yeah. yeah so, it's it's I a mean, combination of the both. So maybe if she is weekend, it's definitely not full weekend. Yeah. I don't know. I still lean towards no in, in a movie like in game. It seems like, a lot of exposition to get across right then and there, but maybe I was thinking of not of not, I mean, not of her, like, you know, like if the stones are destroyed or, or, or something happens that she would lose her powers. But a lot of fans are saying that captain Marvel's too overpowered. And so if these stones are like, after this movie, the stones are, I don't know, destroyed or something. 
I mean, I'm not saying she'd lose all of her power, but maybe she wouldn't be as overpowered as some of the fans are thinking she is. I, I don't think it's going to go that way. I think it's. I think when you start getting into stuff like that, you're having to do way too much explaining. I think mm-hmm. some of these theories, and the one I'm even presenting right now, I'm just presenting it because it's out there. It's not that mm-hmm. I necessarily think that this is going to play a major part in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's just something to talk about, really. I just think mm-hmm. like some of these theories that these people get into are a little too involved, and they're not thinking about the people that make these movies actually trying to incorporate them into the screenplay like i read a theory to, yeah so i don't know i uh it could go either way too right yeah. that's it, it's a very interesting theory because it could play as an advantage or a disadvantage for captain yeah. marvel in, in the war either way the kind of the story falls so it is a very fascinating theory did we think that we were gonna get the tesseract in this movie i i mean i was surprised i i was shocked I was shocked. I I was, my first thought was, and maybe you guys know the answer to this, but my first thought was, how did she get the Tesseract? They've had it. They've had it in their, S.H.I.E.L.D. has had it in their possession. I mean, Howard Stark got it off the ocean floor. And, um, you know, I think that they just, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. has had it in their possession and just been, you know, uh, testing it for years and and uh, yeah i i yeah, yeah I, I, I yeah i mean that was like kind of what i just in my head was like well i guess that's it i mean it's just hard to imagine that like she was just walking around like pegasus and was like "Ooh, what's this you know like i'll just use this for my star drive like i just it just seemed like so out of like whoa where did that how did she get that um yeah i mean and not that i needed like you know hours of exposition on how she got it it was just such a surprise like well, I, I think i think the yeah. disney plus the disney plus shows that we're going to be getting i mean one of those shows might delve into how she did get i mean we we might find out that uh they that that uh shield has this they they, they don't know what it is they don't understand it and um you know she knows what it is and uh she since she's Cree, I mean, you know, and we, we've seen her like write out those Cree glyphs, and so she's she's mm-hmm. she's got an idea of like what sure. she could use this for, and and so yeah. she's used basically she's using Shield to make something to save the scrolls. I mean, the, unbeknownst to Shield, like Shield has no idea like the millions of dollars that they're spending for this woman to like do these projects that she her her ulti- ultimate goal is the fact that she's going to get these scrolls you know so far away that they're out of harm's way and they can just start civilization on a new planet like galaxies away right mm-hmm. yeah i mean and yeah. she had a science lab and if her whole purpose is to develop this this you know lights speed or whatever like you know she's going to be looking for that kind of energy source in the first mm-hmm. place so I, I didn't find it too far fetched. yeah yeah and what's really cool too is it's there's actually a Hey, yeah, sorry about that. We've had some technical difficulties. Ashley, you can you can pick up. Perfect, cool. Um, so yeah, uh, there's actually a deleted scene from Iron Man 2 where he's kind of like down in his workshop and tinkering around. And uh, at the end of it, he references pulling up um, files on Project Pegasus and like Goliath, I think it is. And so I think it's it's kind of this uh, really cool just, you know, story of the Tesseract and like how you said, how our start got it from the bottom of the ocean but he's been working on it and that it's it's actually um 
they've been using alternative forms of it to power the arc reactor. So it's what I, I love about the Tesseract being in this and, and giving her her powers is that she's so connected then directly to the Avengers d- already. Right. And like, that's, that's so cool to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we, I, we've seen project Pegasus like pop up in other movies and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but, um, well, let's see here. Let's let's ki- let's kind of jump into like at the beginning of the movie. Uh, we are introduced to our uh, Star Force, and I'll be honest with you, could have spent a little bit more time with Star Force here. I, I I really never felt like we got to know any of these characters um, aside from Koreth the Pursuer, and the only reason that we knew him was you know because we've seen him in Guardians. But I mean, as far as the other members of Star Force, like. I never really got a good feel as to, like, who these guys are. Mm-hmm. I love Minerva in the comic books, too. She's always been one of my kind of favorite D-level characters that pops up at, like, Galactic Storm or, like, big, like, Cree crossover moments that kind of rides that line as a great character between sometimes working with or against the good guys. And I was sad to see her really get no character development and then at the end just get blown up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She's like a Cree geneticist, and here she was just kind of like a halfway decent pilot i mean <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that was kind of a bummer yeah yeah, yeah. hey um, so yeah I, I really never felt like we got to know star force do you think though going forward in the future that maybe uh some of the members of star force might defect mm, like to, with the nova Corps or to the potentially decent kree well I or mean, to just the earthlings well, I mean, they have a relationship already with Carol. I mean, Carol was actually, other than Minerva, Carol, I feel like, was good friends with most of her Star Force teammates. I, I, I really do. I, I'm not saying Korath the Pursuer is going to flip, because we know what happens with him. He starts to work directly under Ronan by the time we're in Guardians. But I'm saying maybe the other two guys, two or three guys that were in, uh, they could defect. And actually, you know, we've seen Carol have start her own teams. We've seen Carol in the comic books work with Alpha Flight. So... It's not out of the realm of possibility that it, by Captain Marvel 2 or 3, maybe one of these guys are just like, you know, I was fighting in the wrong war. Like, you know, like you opened mm-hmm. my eyes. We actually saw at the beginning of this movie, I really felt like, you know, like by the end of the movie, we're getting like uh, Jan Rog and, and like she's not killing him. And she's basically sending him back to Hala. And it's like it's like one of those things like, you know, why don't you kill him? But. Did you see him at the beginning of the movie uh, in Hala and the way they talked to each other? They were friends at one time. This has really got to mm-hmm. fuck with her. And so I feel like, you know, with her, like, going on these missions with these guys for so many years and doing all these, uh, you know, covert missions, um, even though, you know, I, I think that they've probably got a relationship with her. It was probably hard for them to, some of them, to, to hunt her down and, and, and try to bring her in or even possibly kill her. Yeah, I think I, I, I like what you're saying here, Brian. I think that for sure, just like we saw Carol herself make the turn and come to realize that the war that was going on, she, it was not a – all the facts were not there, right? They had been told that the, that the scrolls were all terrorists and they were attacking them on all sides. and That really wasn't true at all. We could absolutely see going forward in a future movie maybe Carol returning – to the Cree and maybe leaving with some defector saying, you know what? I, I see now what's going on. I'm with you, Carol. Let's, let's get out of here and let's do something else. I, I think 
yeah, we, we, we could see that going forward. Yeah, we definitely haven't seen the last of Kree mythology moving forward, right? Like the concept of the Kree and what it means to the entirety of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is something I think is still going to propel a lot of things forward here. Mm -hmm. I mean, the supreme intelligence was kind of just barely touched on. And I think there's still a lot more to delve from that, too, as far as the, the over, you know, arcing experience of what's going on with all the other characters. Uh, they keep teasing throughout this whole movie that we don't know who Jude Law sees when he sees Supreme <laughs> Intelligence. That's kind of like I kind of like been thinking about that and not been able to stop thinking about that. Like who does he see? That's got to be something if they kept bringing it up throughout the entire movie. And then also mm -hmm. other things with the Kree as far as like, you know, at the end of the uh, what was it? Like uh, there's many other things that they talk about uh you know, like she she says that she's going to she's she's sending him back and she's going to take the war to them. You know, she's going <laughs> to she's going to put an end to all this. She's going to she's going to be the one to put an end to it. So, yeah, we're definitely not done with the creep. We know we're not done with the creep by the time. Like this is set in 95. By the time it's the year 2014, we, we're still dealing with Ronan and his group of uh, terrorists. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's still stories, I think, that they can tell in between this time period. Oh, man. In my perfect geek world, though, we would get the Fantastic Four tied into the uh, Kree Scroll world, so, you know, war somehow later on. Oh, my gosh. That well, would just be amazing. That, that's the thing. I mean, we're in, for crying out loud, they're introducing, you know, time vortexes, uh, you know, different time streams. Um, they've been talking about they've been teasing that. Hell, we've got a uh, cat that has pocket dimensions in his belly. <laughs> so, I mean, there's who knows? Uh Goose could have swallowed the Fantastic Four ten years ago. We don't, you know what I mean. <laughs> so we don't know. Uh, Johnny uh, whatever, Storm. Johnny whatever. Storm is in the belly of this fucking cat right now, Jake. <laughs> I'm in. I, I'll go sign that. <laughs> so yeah, I, t I totally agree though with the Star Force. I I wish they would have had uh, a little more in there. And I actually they they released a, a book back in February that's called Captain Marvel Star Force on the Rise. Uh -huh. and it was and it was written by Steve Beeling, and it's it's basically like a Star Force mission um, where you kind of do get a little bit of the character pieces around like Bronchar and Atlas and Minerva. So I feel I felt after reading that going in and then seeing the movie that I kind of had a little more background, even though we only got a little bit of them in the actual film. Yeah, yeah. It always helps when you mm – -hmm. but see, yeah, you don't really pick up on that if you haven't read those characters in totally. anything else. It's just like – you know, and I, I was really kind of like digging their interactions at the beginning before they went on that mission and like kind of like how Korath was kind of like the Drax of the group, all serious and <laughs> yes. shit, you know, and I'm laughing, I'm laughing on the inside and he's got like this deadpan look on his face and like my crowd was cracking up at that and I wanted to mm -hmm. see like more of the interaction with them. But I think that with them wanting to keep these guys kind of like villains towards the end of the movie, I guess they didn't want to endear them to us too much. It's just I would have liked to see, I don't know. At the end of the day, they kind of amounted to the Warriors 3 in a Thor movie, right? Yeah, yeah they're completely sure. expendable. Hey, what's the name of the character that thought uh, Korath was objectively handsome? Uh, I couldn't even tell you. Bronchar. That's Bronchar, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, that's basically the only thing I know about that character. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and their weapons. Like, the one dude used, like, pistols. Korath has got, like, the mm -hmm. blades. You know, Minerva's got, like, that uh, assassin rifle. I mean, that's really it. Yeah, they yeah. each kind of like play their parts and like Bronchar is the brawler yeah. and Atlas is the stealthy one. 
and yeah. So what did you think about that mission at the beginning? Like we talked about this before, Ashley, on a previous episode, like <laughs> that whole mission where they were going to track mm-hmm. down a Cree that they were after like this, like uh, that they were after either a rogue Cree or a scroll or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we thought that it was going to be like a space, like a like a ship ships chasing each other through space and then they get crash land on earth we had no idea that you know this this solar dude was gonna be a Mm -hmm. scroll and then like capture captain marvel and then she was gonna end up on a scroll ship yeah i thought the whole thing was, was super cool like i even from the beginning once they like shoot them from space in those little pods and then they just all come out of the water super silently with their helmets on and mm-hmm. they're just like doing their mission stuff i was like i i agree i wish i would have seen more of it just because the whole thing was super cool what did you guys think about the scroll design now here's my thing like going into the movie and with them at the beginning with them just being villains I was just like, okay, I hate this scroll design. The concept art that they had released like two, two and a half years ago looked incredible. Now, after watching the movie and understanding that the scrolls are – did I say Kree? I mean scrolls. Um, No, you said scrolls. Okay, scrolls. The scroll design – after watching the movie and realizing like this is a diverse and like sympathetic and um, – uh, a good race. I mean, they're, they're a very diverse race, just like just like humans were like some are good, some are bad. And Kevin Feige had quotes about that, which we'll talk about later. But I mean, now I kind of understand why they went this way. Um, they didn't want to make mm-hmm. these aliens just look like the Chitari to where they all look the same. They, they wanted mm-hmm. to get, make sure that you could see Ben Mendelsohn's face in this because they knew what they were doing with the characters here. So like his wife, Solar, um, you know, they made her look like a, an individual, like each person, each, each member of the scroll race that we were introduced to had their own personality. They had their own look. Now, had they went with like that comic book accurate concept art that we saw? Yeah, it looks fucking awesome. That's when you do it when they're just 100% strictly villains like like a Chitari, right? But like with what they were doing here after I had seen this I was like, this makes sense. I know why they did this now. Completely agree. Um, I, I really, the softening of the scroll design at first I kind of rolled my eyes at it, but I definitely did warm to it after seeing the movie and seeing that they were a sympathetic race and it, it made a ton of sense. So, yeah, I thought the design worked. And when I saw it the second time, kind of with, you know, knowing what was going on, you did kind of pick up on a lot of that, you know, art design with the different characters and everything. So, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. And Ben Mendelsohn was great as that lead scroll. Uh, Talos, right? Uh, ta- ta- some people said Talos. Some people said Talos. So, yeah, okay. Talos, potato, potato, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. can I? We had a fantastic moment. We had a packed house when we were at the movie. And at the moment when uh, Talos leans over and, you know, whispers to the dead scroll, and it's the first moment that you realize he is a scroll and you're under the assumption that they're all still bad guys. We had like an eight to 10 year old kid exclaim, oh, shit, right into the (laughs) crowd. And it it fucking tore the roof down off the place. It was hilarious (laughs) because everyone else was so caught in the suspense and this kid just boom oh shit and just the place exploded <laughs> it was one of the funniest moments of the whole movie well you you know what's funny is um speaking about about ben Mendelssohn, how he usually plays a villain as you said earlier brian 
when he came on screen um, and he starts talking to Fury and then in, in that same moment, Jake, when he like leans in, some lady in my theater yelled out, well, he's the bad guy. Like, because he's always the bad guy, right? <laughs> and, then, and, of course, you know, he's like, you know, safe travels, brother, to the other side. And my whole audience was like, oh, he's one of them, right? <laughs> and then it was super smart to allow Ben Mendelsohn's charm to come through that creature design because – he is very charming. Even even in this movie, he's not playing a bad guy. But when he does play a bad guy, he still oozes that same charm. And so, like, to have that come through here and watch it uh, evolve from that charm into the concerned father, the concerned husband, the concerned leader of his people, like, it was perfectly done and even in like comedic moments where like they're in in uh, louisiana and he he turns to the other scroll and, and he's like you couldn't figure that out you're my science guy like that little moment it, <laughs> it's just shown through and i i really appreciated that about the creature design yeah, yeah. i was really yeah. surprised that this oh i'm sorry i have to go for it oh no it's okay i i was gonna say i i agree i think that's kind of the turning that was the turning point Point for me as well was like once he came out with the milkshake and <laughs> just saying like, Listen, <laughs> I'm here and you know I'm here to just talk and I know this is scary but that that's kind of the moment where I was like I kind of accepted the makeup um and just and, and started to shift it there so yeah. yeah I completely agree I loved the decision to have him when he was agent Keller director Keller talking like you know ben mendelson's american voice the american voice that he uses mm-hmm. but like when he's talos he's talking in his like you know native australian accent you know so mm-hmm. i thought that that was a really interesting choice that 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 they did that and it worked and it was an it was also a smart way because you got a character that can basically morph into anything uh you know uh, a filing cabinet a venus flytrap <laughs> whatever and but he morphs into like what the act- actor actually looks like with keller which is like the main character that he played you know if he was a human character which i thought was really cool that uh ben Mendelssohn actually got to look like ben Mendelssohn in this movie yeah, and it, mm-hmm. it, it makes sense. It's it's a funny twist. Yeah, who'd have thought going into this movie that, you know, the Scrolls and Ben Mendelsohn, of all people, were going to bring so much heart yeah. into kind of the affair here. And I, I really loved it, man. I mean, by the end of the movie, when he's, you know, reunited with his wife and his son and, you know, having those head hugs, man, I, I, I can't lie. I really felt those emotions. Jake, I, I, I honestly, and we're, I'm going to get into this a little bit more, but I, I know that there's going to be people that are comic book purists out there that are really upset by this scroll turn. Um, and I think, you know, dude, I, I I love the scrolls. My original avatar for like the first five video game systems was the evil scroll picture. It's one of my favorite conceits. I mean, you just kind of get over that shit, right? Well, I I don't think that it's necessarily being thrown out the window either. So um, I I agree. And just like the Cree, there's going to be good and bad factions. And I think concepts like the super scroll and the power scroll. I mean, those concepts and conceits don't work as good guys. And I, I definitely think. You know, war is dirty, just like, you know, Taylor mm-hmm. said. And I think between the Kree and the Skrull, there will be good and bad factions. Right. And that's what's yeah. going to make the story fascinating if yeah. they play it out. 100% agree. 100% a Kree. 
Um, <laughs> so, no, oh, man, that was so bad, but so good. It was. <laughs> I know. I don't even want to know why I did that. That was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I, my, my comment on it is about, like, the MCU, that's what they're kind of good at, is they kind of take these original concepts that are very kind of black and white and, like, these are evil, these are good guys. And they show you the complexities of war. Yeah. Like there's there's gonna be there's messy pieces, but there's also kind of beautiful pieces to both sides. Yeah, but and, for, but and for it, every that's like the best way to do it. But for everything that works that they've done, they've they've changed stories up for like every age, you know, yeah. like like Age of Ultron where it's different and, and than the comic book and it and I don't know. Here we go. How do I say this? Or, or Civil War is a better example. Civil War, great comic book and also a great movie. Uh, but mm-hmm. the comic book and the movie differ by you know <laughs> yeah leaps and bounds leaps and bounds oh yeah absolutely but sometimes these things work and then other times you'll get something where and i know it doesn't work for everybody i, I feel like the majority of people love civil war despite its differences from the comic book but like iron man 3 on the other hand like you know that was they changed the Mandarin. And in my opinion, they changed the Mandarin for the worse. I, I, I mean, I, I felt like I don't want like the classic Mandarin from the comic books that's racially insensitive. But I felt like they've had something here with Ben Kingsley where they updated the character. He was not an offensive character, but he was an imposing character. And then they pull the rug out from under us and it's a gag. And that's where like I felt like here, like at first I was like, oh, my God, are they doing the same thing? But it just worked. It for me, this one just worked. Mm. Yeah, you know what I think. Oh, sorry, Jake. No, um, well, I, a little bit of the difference here is you get the switch, right? You get the bad character to the good character. Where in Iron Man three, it's a little bit harder to stomach because you you get the bad character into kind of the pathetic character. Yeah, I, I also think too what they're doing in this movie is is they're showing a different. They're showing a maturity here in this movie that maybe we didn't see in Iron Man 3 in the sense of the, the scene where where Talos says to, to Carol, you know, he says war is war is filthy. He said uh, war, war is bloody. My hands are covered in it, too. And so people do things in war that they don't think that they can do, but they do it because it's asked of them. And so I think what we're seeing here is we're seeing one group of scrolls who are clearly just trying to find a place to live peacefully and just, you know, just leave us alone. We're not going to mess with you. Don't mess with us. And but I don't think that that means that every single individual scroll out there feels the same way. I think mm-hmm. in the future, you could absolutely see people who become radicalized, you know, scrolls mm-hmm. who become like, you know, oh, this is not going to stand. We've got to fucking kill every single Kree on the, in the, in the galaxy. We've got to kill everybody mm-hmm. who helps them and blah, blah, blah. Like we, we could absolutely see that going forward, but it's a complexity and a maturity that's in this movie that we don't always see. And, I think that I think that's why it worked because it's it's shades of gray. It's not black and white. Okay, so we're talking so, about we're, totally. We're talking and I about think another cool piece. Uh, sorry, real quick, Brian. Okay. Another cool piece is that like Carol kind of having that realization of, oh, these aren't the bad guys. Wait, am I a bad guy? Are they? And then you know having that switch and then say, basically saying at the end like, it's kind of a redemption of I'm gonna make up for the bad things that they did and also continue on what Marvel wanted to do by helping these people or these people, these scrolls, this race of people get back together and and find their new home. It's also that like let's make up for the the bad and the bloody that happened in the past by helping this going forward. 
Yeah, I like that she didn't wallow in her own self guilt with it. She just mm-hmm. knew what she had to do and move forward with it. You know, it's the right thing to do. Yeah. At the beginning of the movie, we've got like the scrolls on Earth. You know, the four of them arrive and they're you know they're going after Carol and uh, you know they, they're trying to get to, to Lawson first and they're trying to get the Tesseract. They're trying to get this engine and everything. But on the flip side here, like we're talking about like how they're good characters. Um, and they were, but they still had to keep them evil here at the beginning. And so they are doing some pretty sinister things here. I don't care what anybody says. I think Agent Skrullson was going to kill Fury. Fucking, mm-hmm. you know, that. Cult, oh, I agree. They're definitely willing to kill. Oh, yeah. Did, did, did you like my plan on the name Agent Skrullson? <laughs> Like, nobody, nobody reacted. Nobody said anything. It was so good. I, I, I don't even think I heard it. It just sounded like Colson. Yeah, like my brain filled in the agent, blank. Yeah, I, I like to call him Agent Scrollson. Um, so he was definitely going to kill Fury. And then when they're when they're inside of uh, the the built the the building out there in the desert where Project Pe- Pegasus is being uh, you know uh, held, the basically they get orders from Keller, which is Talos. That they are to, that that fury is to be apprehended and taken dead or alive, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of really powerful, subtle moments, which is the the art, you know, the act of war, and you know, the, the subterfuge and everything. Yeah. Yeah. You, I thought at the, another really powerful moment was you know when he told his kid to look away when he was going to have to kill those guys and how the camera showed that his kid did not look away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just like, wow, that's a really just subtle, powerful choice that they made right there. That was really neat. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, so, let's see here. I want to talk about when they... One thing that I kind of noticed in this is when they, when the scrolls did capture Carol, did you notice when they took her through that, that dream machine, mm-hmm. did that not remind you of the, the barf technology that Tony uses in Civil War? No, oh, that's an interesting comparison. I really loved the way they filmed the scrolls going through her mind and trying to extract the information. Hmm. Yeah, very much like an early, or maybe that's where he got the technology, yeah. possibly from the scrolls later on. Well, BARF, it stands for Binarily Augmented Retroframing, and it's basically in the MCU wiki, it describes it as... Uh, a way of hijacking the hippocampus in the brain. And it relies on an implant installed on a pair of glasses that connects with the user's hippocampus, allowing it to find a certain traumatic memory and alter it before projecting that memory onto an external infrastructure. I mean, yes, like this wasn't being used for that purpose, but they had kind of like something connected to her brain here, these waves going through her brain, and they were projecting it onto a monitor, and they were able to basically go through her memories like it's a DVR. She's kind of self-aware of what's going on, but not 100%. It's still kind of like a dream for her, and it really reminded me of Tony's barf technology that we saw in Civil War. I just, I don't know if there's a connection here or not that maybe they got, you know, the idea of that technology from the scrolls. No, yeah. The more you, I'm sitting here listening to you. The more, the more I really like it. It's a, it's a very, it's a very good observation. I, it, the similarities are glaring. I, it's very potentially a technology, and we know that they're probably sharing a little bit of technology because mm-hmm. they're there and they're mixed in and they're in high positions working with some of these, you know, facilities. So I don't think it's that far fetched that 
maybe they helped push some of this technology along with, with scroll technology. This, this stuff was so cool. And it reminded me of, I love this whole, like that whole scene mm-hmm. is so cool. Mm-hmm. Going back mm-hmm. and like watching these things over again. It reminded me of like the last Jedi when Ray was like looking at like the, all the different versions of herself, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. it, sure. And it was like that high concept for me, and and it was just cool to see them kind of like try to pick what they wanted from her in that moment. I just thought it was done really well. Yeah, I, love I, when I they like. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just gonna say I like when they like kind of like control her eyes to like look down, look at it, look at it. Yeah. And she's like, what? Yeah. And then on the third viewing, I heard her say like. Wait, are you hearing this too? <laughs> She's like mid thing, like what's happening? She's in the jet trying to get the coordinates. They're trying to get the coordinates from her. Mm-hmm. They want her to focus on the coordinates on the jet so they know where she is, so they can find out like where you know the uh, the tesseract is, um, the core, and mm-hmm. and uh, the whole time like she pops out of the jet, you know, the ejection seat, mm-hmm. and they're like, no, bring her back, and like we see her go right yeah. back into the jet. Yeah. I'm like, this is yeah. awesome. I, I really loved how they manipulated her memories. And at the same time, they're giving us her origins. Like at the same moment, I thought like what you were saying before about really unique way of doing the flashbacks. I thought this was so inventive. I thought it was so it was a fun way to do it instead of just like Carol remembering like, oh, I remember that time I was at the golf course or whatever. No, th- th- this was them going through her brain, fast forwarding, rewinding. Wait, you've gone too far. No, wait, go back. Focus on that. I thought that was so unique because we're just as confused as Carol is. We, we don't know what's going on. She doesn't know what's going on. So as, as the audience, like we're experiencing that confusion with her yes. for the first time. I loved it. It put us like right in the driver's seat almost with her. Yeah. And I, I thought it was great. I, I yeah, do. I, I do it's too. One of the scenes Brie most shined into. I thought she like she really captured that. It's jarring her, and she's confused, but still intrigued, trying to find information herself. Like I thought, she just really brought it in the scene. I think it was great too. I think that it it could have gone really bad though had they not had um, the scenes with uh, Maria Rambo. Like uh, that brought it all together for me because oh, yeah. without those I wanted se- more of those bar scenes. Well, without 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 that, without them meeting in Louisiana and having the conversation that they had like these scenes for as much as we're seeing here and we're not understanding what's happening like this doesn't work without that. Without her saying, like, you're the toughest woman I've known. You've always gotten knocked down, but you always get back up. You're the toughest. You're as tough as nails. You're this. You're that. Like, th- none of this. I think that's what bring this, brings it all together. We have to have that scene. Because what made those types of scenes work in Captain America, the first Avenger, is because we're watching them play out in a linear fashion. We're watching Captain America as this scrawny guy, Steve Rogers, get his ass handed to him, but get back up again. Here, we're just watching fragments. We're not getting the whole story. Story. We have to get that whole story from Maria Rambeau later in the movie. Mm-hmm. And if that performance from that actor doesn't work or if it's not written in the screenplay in a way that makes it work, none of this works. I think it all she's mm-hmm. the linchpin here. And like that's because honestly, I when I was first watching this stuff, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if they can pull off this kind of Westworld nonlinear story- mm-hmm. storytelling in this movie. 
and it all relied on um, on on the acting of uh, was it Lashana Lynch that played mm-hmm. uh, yeah Lynch? that that's mm-hmm. her name. it all relied on her at the end here and like that that meant everything. Yeah. They had so many moments of these like full circle pieces, right? Where it's like that, where you're like learning about her, and then and you get Maria's piece of it that like pulls it all together for you. Like the starting with with her fighting Yon Rog and ending with fighting Yon Rog, and then both times she blasts his ass across the room mm-hmm. because she's like, you know what? No, like they did that so many times, and like you said, there was it was so delicate, it was so delicate and so risky, but they almost it had was. to do something really risky. And otherwise, you're just, you're just getting a new Captain America movie. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Exactly. And and exactly. And just talking a little bit more about Lashana Lynch playing Maria, I thought for me the, her performance was absolutely one of the standouts in in this movie because she's when, when she meets up with Carol again and it's been 6 years, you know, the, these women have been through a lot together, right? They're two women in the air force when it's mostly men. They can't fly combat missions. On top of that, Maria is, appears to be a single mother, and she says that Carol supported her and helped her through that. And we see how emotional Maria gets, saying the hardest part for her was knowing that Carol was too stubborn to die, that she was somewhere out there missing for six years and she couldn't do anything about it. She always knew, like, somewhere inside of her, Carol was alive. When she tells her that you were always the most powerful woman I knew, and that was before you could shoot fire from your hand oh my god i sobbed i sobbed when she said that because that was a woman telling another woman i see you and i see your power all this extra stuff is bells and whistles you were always powerful and that oh my god that to me that moment was just such a beautiful moment of like sisterhood and women supporting women and and Maria being powerful in her own right. I, I just thought it was it was brilliant. Well, right. I, uh, you know, like you, earlier, Ashley, you were talking about how, you know, how they kept bringing up, um, you know, her shooting, blasting uh, Jan Rog. And uh, <laughs> I. I thought that that was brilliant as well. Not only like, you know, you can look at it, you know, at the end of the movie when she when he's like, all right, here we go. Let's do this. You know, you know, stand toe to toe with me, you know, uh, turn off the light show and let's do this. Knock me down. And like basically this whole, you know, they they, I think that she they should have leaned into this a little bit more. I I really do. I I feel like the movie kind of held back on it a little bit. They brought it up in certain parts, but I think they should have leaned on this a little bit more of like this guy, like the Cree having her to like repress her emotions and try to control her. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that theme was really great that, um, you know, like that men are sometimes are telling women, you know, some men tell certain women that they're too emotional and that, that it's a weakness and like women can't be leaders because they're they're emotional and and being in touch with your emotions is 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 not being that in touch with your emotions is a bad thing and blah 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 blah. And like this movie kind of like teaches her that like being in touch with her emotions is not a weakness and it's actually her strength here and um and she's not to be controlled. Like if she she oh, can, yeah. she can react any way that she wants to react. And um, you know, and and I, I I honestly felt like they could have they could have done a lot more with that in this movie. Like they could have 
because I felt like the uh, Wonder Woman that showed us like Diana's love for humans. Like like um, Diana was introduced to men, the world of men and wars and all the evil stuff that would, and she had the choice of like. Am I going to fight for these men? Am I going to fight or am I just going to leave? And am I, am I going to, you know, not fight for, for humanity? And the love she had for Steve Trevor showed her that there is good in people. And um, mm-hmm. I honestly, I felt like this movie could have done even more with this whole theme. I, I felt like they, they, they kind of they touched it a little bit. And I think that they could have actually leaned into it a little bit more. I think Marvel kind of pulled back on that one with the Marvel formula being in play here. Mm-hmm. I think they could have leaned into that a little bit more. But they're, I mean, they're already spinning so many plates with this nonlinear storytelling <laughs> that maybe yeah. it's too much. But it's unfortunate that you do you do lose a little bit of kind of the story of Carol's humanity. And I feel like that's definitely something that will heavily be addressed in, in sequels right now that we've kind of mm-hmm. like layered in all of this mythology and origin story. Like what what comes next is, you know, learning about her humanity and learning about her as a person, as a character, a little bit stronger than we were able to here. I, I agree with that, Brian. Yeah, I mean, it's as a woman watching this movie and and there have been times where. Um, you know, I've been told like I'm not good enough or I can't do something. Um, I, I'm a, I grew up with brothers and my dad saying, no, no, like you, you, that's, you know, you're a girl, be careful, be careful, be careful. And, and my brother's all good <laughs> doing all this other crazy shit. And, um, so it was really, it was really cool to see that represented and say, and, and for me, it, it was also kind of a piece of like imposter syndrome, right? Where like when Supreme Intelligence was basically telling you like, you're weak, we gave everything to you and we can take it away. All of mm. these, like, just trying to tear her down and her saying, no, mm-hmm. that's not my story. Yeah. That's not me. I'm, I'm better than that. I know I can do this. Like that whole thing was just oh so powerful. <laughs> oh man. I love the montage of like when she's really coming into her own and she's really got her memories back and she keeps rem- she remembers all the times that she's been knocked down and what mm-hmm. does she do she gets up and that's the person that you need to be afraid of the person that every time they get knocked down whether it be physically or emotionally or mentally that they get back up again and they're ready to fight and that is very that's very reminiscent of captain america right we we all know the scene of steve skinny steve in the alley with the with the trash can lid saying he i I could do this all day right he's a guy who when he gets knocked down he gets back up again and it's the same with carol so that when she comes into that power of this is my real power. Is that I don't ever give up. That's my human side. And and for sure, like they touched on it, but I think it definitely going forward, we're gonna get a lot more of that. So that when you know she rips out that like controller piece, now she's got her full power. And when she blasts Yon Rog at the end, you know, she's like, I don't have to prove anything to you. Like that's it's been shown she's shown herself that she doesn't owe anybody anything and and i oh god it was just such a glorious moment of her just not owing anybody uh, an explanation and not giving a fuck like that is just great i'm just glad that when she got up they didn't play chumbawamba <laughs> oh gosh oh that, that <laughs> missed opportunities it wouldn't have been surprising well i mean it they was. already played come as you are which came out in 91 and she didn't like this like that song didn't come out for like another two three years so anyway um yeah now i said chumbawamba and i totally lost my train of thought here what i was gonna go with next somebody somebody jump into something 
Um, well, another thing, too, I, oh. I really think since they were trying to do so much in this movie that there's going to be quite a few deleted scenes. Like a lot of yes. a lot of these pieces that are on the cutting room floor somewhere because they were like, OK, we're at two hours and three minutes. This is all we can do. Let's talk like, about I, the, let's talk about the one that we know about, Ashley. Yeah. OK, because like we were talking about this earlier, like there's the whole scene of uh, when she goes to the Internet bar uh, she's, she found, you know, she's, uh, she found that crystal. She found that crystal from that, uh, from that scroll. And that crystal had all the information that they were looking through, through her memories. And so she finds out about like this ponchos, this ponchos bar. So she goes to the internet cafe and she finds the address and then she gets a map. Now, when she's out there, the guy pulls up at the motorcycle and starts to, you know, Oh, you know, like, Nice, uh, was it nice diving suit or whatever? And then nice scuba suit, nice scuba suit. And then, you know, then she starts reading the map again. He's like, you know, it's okay to smile. You can smile. And that's, this is a reshoot like that. And that's in direct response to the fanboys that were, you know, complaining about Brie Larson, not smiling. I knew it in the, I knew it had to be. Had to be. So it, this was in direct response Ugh. to the, to those fanboys that were talking about her, not smiling. This is a reshoot because if you remember, and Ashley, I sent you the picture and mm-hmm. I, 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 I think I've posted the pictures on our Facebook page in the past, but it was the and and I've 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 actually talked about this on a previous episode. I speculated in this deleted in this in this uh, set photo, you see Captain Marvel standing over this same guy and she's like crushing his hand. He's on his knees. And I compared it to uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day when she says, I need your jacket, your boots, your motorcycle, just like Arnold did. And then, you know, he drives off on the motorcycle with the leather jacket. They totally took that out of this movie. Um, I don't know what she said to him in this deleted scene, but there's that picture of him on his knees and her like maybe like crushing his hand or something like that. And they took that out completely and uh, added added the added him talking about her needing to smile, and uh, that's in direct response. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I loved it. It was one of the funnier jokes. So, yeah. Um, I what other deleted scenes do you do you know of any other deleted scenes, Ashley? Other than that one, I I don't. It's just like there were just some pieces. Like watching it four times, you start to like. <laughs> going on these sure. like, weird details but like there's just little pieces that a we saw in the trailers that like i know that they do things in the trailers there was like, the one there was, and didn't in the tra- were, in one of the trailers didn't she say like i'm gonna end this war yes but that was a, that that was a voiceover that was a voiceover mm-hmm. wasn't that a voiceover of her saying that as she's going binary by the end of that second trailer and i think you even see her say it i'm, okay. I'm gonna end it Okay, and, and yeah. she's like going binary and then there's also that that like kind of like weird throwaway line at the end of like with yon rog and like about the blood and the transfusion yeah. like we don't see any of that we don't see any references to it it's just like we're, we're, we just know it from the trailer we're getting the, we're getting the x-men like eventually so like <laughs> is there a chance that we could actually see her like go binary <laughs> you know i mean oh i don't think that they'll do it but you know i mean with with you know rogue uh took her Oh, did Rogue take her memory and her powers? I feel like Rogue took memories and her powers. That was yeah, like, because she the, came out of it like all not knowing who she was again. And yeah, I think she had to go to Xavier to get help get like the memories unlocked or and something. And then she got she got yeah. her binary powers. The flight, yeah. 
And then her flight and a lot of her powers, and then the members yeah. really messed her up in future issues too, I believe. I this was like this. I couldn't believe all of the the different like they took they pulled from a lot of her origin from like other creators and other writers and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't all Kelly Sue, which that Kelly Sue DeConnick uh, cameo in this like was pretty incredible, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was I cool. didn't notice that till the second time. I loved that. Oh man, <laughs> I noticed it upon the first watch, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I, I, I was probably th- I was thinking to myself like, "There's probably less than like one percent of the people in this theater that know who that is," because <laughs> like nobody reacted except for me. <laughs> yeah, that bright red head the second time. Yeah. I was like, "Oh hey," <laughs> and what do you guys think about the Stan Lee uh, Stan Lee cameo? Oh, I fucking loved the cameo. I thought it was absolutely brilliant to have him play himself and do the, you know, the mall rats rehearsal. I don't know if this is going to be a controversial statement or not, uh-huh. but I wasn't the biggest fan of the 800 Stan Lees in the Marvel intro. I loved it. And thought that was a little bit too much. For I me. thought it was fantastic. Oh, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, I, I teared up at the beginning. I teared up. The, I teared up all three viewings. Watching it, I, it just ca- it catches you off guard too because you were you're like okay here we go Marvel cause, oh because oh, not because <laughs> not yeah. only because not only is it Stan like in his like cameo roles but it was also like behind the scenes footage too like they had a shot of him just like laughing with the cast and crew a shot of him standing next to Robert Downey Jr. and like you know laughing a little bit and it was just like it was basically just their way of saying thanks for being a part of all these films Stan and we wouldn't have any of these films if it wasn't for you so I yeah. Yeah, I get it, and I understand what they were trying to do. I feel like it would have been better served to save this for Endgame, and I don't know. It just for me, it was a little bit jarring. It's I mean, the it definitely, first movie it after his feel, death. I mean, it's yeah, and they, you know, so I mean, it's just why unfortunate wait? That, the t- that the timing is is it's a character that was created by you know like Roy Thomas and stuff, and not. You know, I, I just feel like this would have been better served for Endgame. I, I it, uh, the, it's like the sooner the better. I mean, you know, it, it mm-hmm. you know, it. it wait another month and a half just so you can get it into like the the big movie i don't yeah you know, I mean, no I, i'm not gonna die on the hill like even when i brought yeah. it up i said i didn't think very many people were gonna agree with me but eh, i don't know i could have it didn't do much for me i didn't i, I love was... the cameo tupperware the cameo but the marvel intro was was a bit too much oh i thought it was i thought it was beautiful i i i, I tupperware that i thought it was fantastic i thought it was a uh, very sweet sentiment so yeah, I don't know. I man, I, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around like not 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 liking that. I don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's I just, fine. I, I'm just. Like I said, I you know I love Stan. You know I do. I just thought it was like it just. I don't know. A bit bit self serving and wrong placement. For me. I don't know. It's just like it's like if you. I feel like if you wait, it's almost like you're like. Well, let's let's put this off until the the bigger movie. Like, no, like address it now. Like the man, the like you know, Deadpool did, and and like Deadpool's like this Deadpool two, the Once Upon a Deadpool is like the silliest movie out there. And like at the end of that movie, in the post credits, they have like outtakes from Stan, and they have like this whole dedication to Stan, and it's like that's just a fucking dumb Deadpool movie, you know? Yeah, I'm not saying don't acknowledge it. I'm saying don't acknowledge it so obnoxiously. Oh, it wasn't a obnoxious i thought most i th- i think that 95 percent of the people that that saw this kind of i thought i thought it was 100 i 100 agree yeah. with you i know that i am not of the norm here but eh, i i didn't like it wow wow jake okay fair enough i just i i i thought every i thought going into this that we we would have all kind now 
I don't feel bad for enjoying it at all. I thought it was beautiful. <laughs> no, as well. You should, like I said, I, I know that I'm alone on this, but yeah. I guess I'm heartless and cynical because God, I yeah, saw this and I, I was like, this, this is too much. That's the first thing I agree with right now. <laughs> when it comes to this whole thing, that is some cynical shit, Jake. It was. Are we going to see it again on Endgame, or are we back to the normal Marvel? Oh, I don't know. God, Jake, I hope they make the right decision for for, for your sake. <laughs> Jake, I mean, it's such a small little nitpick. Like, you know, it I is. This movie, and it doesn't detract from me, but. I, oh, I don't know. I that's thought. like I don't know, Jake. Like they, maybe that's like one of those things you keep to yourself, buddy. Like I, I, I question whether or not I should bring it up. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you and the listeners well, and shit. say I thought that was obnoxious. You are. Oh wow, wow, wow! I think you flipped your your obnoxious view towards that. I think I think you are being a little obnoxious right now, sir. <laughs> I, well, I think there should be twenty of me in a montage to prove how obnoxious. No, this is. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. The twenty of Jake. Let's get the point across. Now we should. One picture of Stan. One shot of Stan's good enough. Why do you got to overdo it? No, and let's it, do it before a podcast that I didn't have he's any a, type of it, like creation involved uh, with. They treated him like a superhero. It was a nice send off, man. It was really nice. And it was a nice thing for the fans. And it was a nice thing for the people that we've all gone on this journey with Stan since our childhood of the, and these comic books. And I mean, you get one chance to, to kind of do this and commemorate the guy. And, j- j- <laughs> and they blew it. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They blew it from one obnoxious viewer. <laughs> there's no way I'm alone. There's got to be other people. Oh, I'm sure there's like, some other on. assholes out there too, Jake. I'm sure there are. I'm not. I'm not an <laughs> asshole. I, I would have liked. I would have preferred a better tribute. <laughs> the assholes are the people that thought this were, was good enough. Oh, good enough. Good enough. Yeah, Jake's like, just don't do it again in the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, they already did it. Now like, you might as well just slap it before every movie. They should have just put it in the end credit sequence, and Jake would have really loved it. <laughs> it would have been a better. <laughs> I, I dis- well, if it was post credit, Jake wouldn't have even known about it. We've exactly. <laughs> We've talked about this way too long. It was it was it was a uh, it was a beautiful it was a beautiful thing. Anyway, what did you okay? <laughs> final, final, I feel like Jerry Springer. My final thoughts here. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I can't believe that we're deb- that you're debating this, Jake. What the I, fuck? I, I don't want to debate it anymore. I uh, <laughs> agree to disagree. <laughs> anyway, I thought it was cool that he was reading the Mallrats script because, like, that was such a, you know, like that movie. Uh, this would have been around that time, like we, where he was uh, getting ready to uh, to play himself in the Mallrats movie. Which, man, I love that scene, Jake, where he's talking. Is it uh, Brody? Uh, Jason Lee's character. Oh, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. He like ask all the questions yeah. that we asked on the playground. Our Does thing lives. have a dick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, I, uh, and he's quoting like, you know, uh, true believer. What was it? Uh, yeah. I can't remember the, other, the, the line that he keeps reciting and you know, over and over again as he's in the subway cart. Um, but, um, yeah, that was very they're very cool cameo from Stan. Um, but the big reveal that uh, we've been going back and forth on this one, and we finally got confirmation, I think, like a week or two before the movie came out, 
um, is that they were going to have uh, Jude Law as John Rogg and not Marvell. And um, I mean, that was the thing. Like, is he Marvell? Is he John Rogg? Um, we even talked about on the podcast previously that we had heard rumors that uh, Annette Benning was playing Supreme Intelligence, but we also heard rumors that she was playing a gender flipped Marvell. And you know what? She was both. <laughs> yeah, that was wild. <laughs> so really inventive way to make her supreme intelligence, right? Like someone spoiled that for me. It was like the only thing someone spoiled for me before I saw the movie. It was like that that was for sure. But it really wasn't a spoiler at all when you kind of see the, the how is it of it all, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I loved that. Um, I love the explanation that like supreme intelligence appears differently to every person. It's the person you admire the most. You know, here she sees Wendy Lawson, who at the time, of course, she has no clue who that is. But then once she gets a hold of Dr. Lawson's notebook and sees that it's written in Cree, then it's like and I'm sitting in the theater and I'm like, oh, my God, Lawson is Cree. And I'm like, does that mean is she is she? And then sure enough, she's like, oh, she was Marvell. And I was like, oh. That is so cool. Like, I really, really enjoyed the reveal. And she says it just so, like, you know, matter-of-factly. Oh, she was a Cree agent. Her name was Marvell. And it was like, to all the comic book people, everyone was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. You know, and what a great reveal. I And then, you know, for her to uh, get the full flashback scene of what really happened with Marvell, how she died and, and how... Carol got her powers. I, I thought it was great, I, and I thought Annette Benning played all the both those roles so well. How, what did you guys yeah. think about? Yeah, I, I do. You think that we will see Supreme Intelligence in a future Captain Marvel film in the you know look in true form? I mean, yes. that, that, I mean, so floating head and and all that. Yes, I, I do. Yeah, maybe maybe not giant green tomato, maybe a little bit of a reimagination of how the whole thing looks, but definitely we will see a form other than what, you know, mm. your true desire is, a more, yeah. you know, the natural state of form of the supreme intelligence. I think we definitely will get that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think that we will yeah. as well. Um Oh God, I loved it. I loved it when she says I've been fighting with one hand behind my back this entire time. That was cool. Oh yes. Oh yeah. That and then, and then she and then she just flicks that thing off her neck that uh, that 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 mm-hmm. controlling device. I thought that that was very cool because I, I you know there, there's a cockiness to Supreme Intelligence. Like when she's going mm-hmm. in there, even though I don't really think that the selection of "Come as You Are," even though I love the song, I love Nirvana. It, even though I don't think it fits in that moment, um, just like the way she's dancing and her cockiness mm-hmm. and supreme intelligence just pisses you off. You're just like, oh, you, you fucking bitch. <laughs> it's that it's that shoulder shrug. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh yeah. And, you, and that, that shoulder shrug put it over the top. <laughs> and you, you just want Carol to kind of like, you know, put these. She, you wanted to put supreme intelligence in her place in this moment. So, I mean, I, I, I do like, I loved the over top, over the top performance of Annette Benning here as Supreme Intelligence. Cause I don't want to just see like, I am Supreme Intelligence. I am a Supreme being. I am. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, right. man, I loved what we saw here. I loved the cockiness. I loved the swagger. I liked a villain that makes you hate 
said villain. And I feel like, you know, that's that's the thing that we got here with Supreme Intelligence, because, like, I'll be honest with you, for as much as like Jude Law was kind of a dick, like I kind of enjoyed his scenes with uh, um, Brie Larson. Like when they were training together, I thought I thought it was fantastic. He's not holding back. She's not holding back. He brought out some really good things in her, but he also kind of repressed a lot of things in her. But I thought those scenes were just were really good. I, I, I didn't hate Jude Law as much as you'd think I would hate him. It was a Net Bennings character, like when I'm she, and I hated her for all the good reasons the, uh, the, mm-hmm. why you hate a character like mm-hmm. that. And yeah, I, she really chewed up that performance. She, she really. I did. love the concept of seeing like the, what person you're going to see. Do you think we'll ever see other characters in the cinematic universe encounter the supreme intelligence? Well, I think you know, that like they they've definitely teased Jude Law's. Uh, mm-hmm. Yon Rog. I mean, they've, we've got to see who he sees when I he's mean, in there. On, on like a bigger scope, like if we do have like a Kree Scroll War and it involves like the uh-huh. Avengers, could we see like, you know, freaking like if Captain America is still around, could he talk to the Supreme Intelligence, you know, or Iron Man or Thor or anybody? Is it yeah. could it expand beyond the Captain Marvel part? I don't know. I mean, that's that's like uh, if you were to ask me, like, uh, how much uh, is Captain America going to kind of like uh, seep into the Guardians of the Galaxy movies and stuff like that? I would happen to say not a lot. It's not going to go cosmic for for Cap yet. Um, yeah, I, I, it'd be like I, it's a on. big pivotal moments that you're doing stuff like that, right? I think that we're seeing if we're going to see somebody slide into that, we're seeing Nick Fury in there talking to Supreme Intelligence, <laughs> and he sees Goose. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was just stupid. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those things where I was just like, I'm going to let that hang out there for a second. Just so do she, it. So just she realizes it. how it. stupid it sounded. It <laughs> Can we talk about that, though, real quick? Jake, I would see – I would see – I want to talk about that here in a second. But I want to see – and, Ashley, I was just giving you shit. It was funny. Um, No worries. A a gigantic goose would be amazing if, like, that's what (laughs) Nick Fury saw. (laughs) Oh, man. It was like – you know, like – that would like, be pretty funny. Like, like, honey, I blew up the kid, you know, like size goose, yeah. like just a huge fucking cat. That would be amazing. <laughs> but um, I would see Nick Fury talking to Supreme Intelligence because wouldn't you want to see a cocky Nick Fury, Samuel Jackson talking to Supreme Intelligence? And I would happen to think that like the whole background would change as well. Like we saw like this. Didn't we see kind of like that, that the ocean waters or like those, the lake waters or wherever where she was at, I would happen to imagine like the whole background would change for like Nick Fury. Like maybe we would see some of the stuff that he experienced during the Cold War or something. So um, I don't know. I don't Jake, that's a good – I don't know. That would be kind of cool. There's just a lot of yeah. cool – it's a really cool way – to bring a lot of stuff to the forefront, okay. like a real subtle way to do other things. By the you know? by, the third movie, Jake. If there, okay, if Captain Marvel takes over for Captain America, by the third movie, what you're saying could happen because what happened in the third Captain America movie, it was an event film. It really, I mean, you can call it Captain America: Civil War, but it was a fucking. I mean, you might as well just called it Avengers, you know, two point five, right? I mean, that's really Agreed. what it was. And so, in by many the, ways, it moved the shit forward more than Avengers two. Agree. <laughs> well, yeah, like ten times more. Here, here's the thing: you get to Captain Marvel three. I mean, by that point. She could have like her own event film. 
Like this could I mean, be. She's the main villain, right? She is the Captain Marvel main villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, like, at that point, they're doing crossovers. At that point, with Captain Marvel, it's not like Captain Marvel's just kind of like got her own solo film. Yes, it's her movie. It's Captain Marvel, but it's Captain Marvel colon something or other. Captain Marvel colon scree uh, Cree scroll war or or whatever you want to call it. And I mean, uh, I mean the, the supreme intelligence is a potential yeah. way for like Hawkeye to see dead family members. I mean, yeah. there's just so much shit you can do with it if yeah, it bleeds I'm over. Kind of overseeing these characters have these flashes in their heads. We had a lot of that in uh, Avengers Age of Ultron with, you know, like Captain America back in the 40s seeing those visions and and uh, Iron Man having visions of people dead on uh <laughs> you know the what is it the the sanitarium what what is it whatever that ship is called or whatever I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It, but I yeah, to see other characters involved so I want to see what it looks like for another character definitely. I want to see what another character sees when they are talking to supreme intelligence and on top of that I want to see supreme intelligence true form. I want to see what the wizard of oz looks like. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Let's talk about Goose. Let's talk about Goose. This is something we talked about on the show previously, Jake. I had said, what if Nick Fury loses his eye to Goose? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I co-sign you. You definitely, you definitely had that on the radar. I, Man, our crowd, a good portion of them groaned at that moment. I don't know if you guys had that experience. Mm-hmm. My, mine too. I. It was very mixed. Um, at one of the showings, there were some like, oh, that's how he lost his eye. And then it mixed with, that's some bullshit. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was very mixed. Um, Rebecca, you're seeing it with a New York City crowd. Of course they're going to say that. Yeah, I mean, there was, yeah, there was a lot yeah. of yelling at the screen, for yeah. sure. I yeah. mean, yeah. It, it, it was very mixed. I myself had a very mixed reaction to it, like, I, at first thought I laughed and I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I laughed again. And I, I, I kind of went back and forth in my own mind about it. But, yeah, I, I would say that at least my audience was very mixed. I think it works yeah. kind of funny with the character, Jake. I, I, I want to hear what your mm-hmm. thoughts are. But I think it kind of works funny with the character of Nick Fury. Like when you read Nick Fury in the comics, like there's there's a legend behind Nick Fury. Like. Some of it, like, you don't even know if it's real or not. Like, you, you never know with this guy. You, sometimes you don't even know if you're talking to the real Nick Fury. You could be talking to, like, a, a life model decoy. You just, you never know with Nick Fury. And I feel like it kind of was funny here in, in this movie where Coulson's talking to him at the end. And he's like, is it true that the Kree burned out your eyes because the, you wouldn't give them the location of the core? And uh, he's like, I can neither confirm nor deny. And it's like, it's like it all, it all, it all builds on that legend of Nick Fury, right? Like, and we're just seeing it kind of start here. And like, of course, he's building that legend on a fucking lie. But like, Nick Fury, like, there's things that you find out about Nick Fury in the comics. You're just like, what? I didn't know that Nick Fury like uh, was was fighting aliens out in space, <laughs> like you know. And that's like the kind of stuff that you find out in the comic books. And I, I think they're kind of like gonna add. I hope that they add to the legend that is Nick Fury in the Marvel Cinematic Universe through way of these Captain Marvel movies because he is a very layered and fun character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally. Yeah, they, they 
You gotta let me talk about the eye stuff. I, I fucking loved it so much. It was it was such a masterful troll job. Like I love that so many people are upset about it. I also like nothing you were gonna do. Like once you advertise that mm. you're gonna find out how Nick Fury loses his eye in this movie, nothing you're gonna do is gonna be that amazing cool moment that everyone is gonna love. So why even fuck with that? And like what they did, I thought was just so brilliant. I love that it does tie into what we knew already. Like you have that line from yes. Winter Soldier, from Nick Fury talking to Steve, you know, last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. Yes. And it doesn't go against that at all. It mm-hmm. clearly signs with that. And I, I absolutely <laughs> think it's extremely brilliant. I, I love it. Yeah. And I think this is another place too where there might be a cutscene because it's like right after that, they like, they cut to Talos saying, what like oh that's not just a scratch and then they never mention it again it's like what does that mean like is it just a scratch is this a mm. freaking thing well i i think i think for sure like with the eye stuff i think what makes it what what sold me on it finally was the whole thing with colson when he asked him is it true that the cree burned your eye out and it did make me think of Nick Fury in the comics, where you just never knew with that guy what was true and what wasn't. And I think that that little scene makes the the cat scene work for me. I, I think that that's what ties it together to just let Nick build on like the legend that is Nick Fury, right? So if people want to spread that rumor, like, well, I heard is I got burned out by an alien, like. He's not going to contradict them, but think whatever you want to think. And yeah, it does tie in still to to Winter Soldier because he did trust the cat, right? And then the cat scratches him anyway, and he loses his eyes. So yeah, I mean, it, 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 it works. I, I get why people threw out the, you know, that bullshit. Like, I get why, but I, I it, it works, I think, when you tie it all together. Yeah, it's definitely become one of those things, right, that some of the people that just have a really hard time accepting, like, things not be 100% super serious or really, like, pointing the finger at. It's, yeah. it's another one of those super, super dumb, goofy marble things where, oh, the cat took his eye. Oh, it's so dumb, you know? And what, just, what do you, okay, oh, what do you gosh, want? People what do you, need to take a load off. If the guy didn't lose his eye in, like, all these different, like, Cold War missions that he was in, and and I, I understand that he's, like, fighting against Kree and Skrull here. Like, would it have really been that interesting if, like, he is in a battle with... You know, like one of the members from Star Force and they shot his eye out. I mean, how interesting is that? (laughs) Zero percent interesting. Right. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing cool about that. I mean, at least with this, it was like, you know, it's something I'm sure that he's kind of embarrassed about, too. And he doesn't want people to know. So he gave the cool backstory, you know. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great point. Is that, yeah. Do you want to say that you lost your eye because of cat alien scratched it or do you want to say that you lost it because of torture like right. that sounds way cooler Fuck that yeah. you lost your eye because they tortured you to to reveal <laughs> and you wouldn't and oh my gosh what a hero yeah it, it works it does work so i i also love the fact that um goose was basically wendy lawson's flirkin pet that just hung around the base <laughs> with her and like after she dies like the cat just walks around the base. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so it's like this cat has just like lived. This flirkin has just like lived on this base, probably because nobody wants to mess with it. I don't know. Like six years, right? Six years now. Yeah. yeah six yeah. years. That cat's been living there on its own. 
Yeah, yeah, her pet flurkin. And I love the fact that the scrolls knew it was a flurkin. I loved it when they like, when they scanned when they oh, yeah, when they scanned great. Goose and oh yeah, uh, threat high. And then they put that Hannibal Lecter mask on the cat. <laughs> <laughs> I love when they then they scan Nick Fury, human male, threat level, yeah. uh, little Loaded to none. And yeah. He's like, that thing's definitely not working. Oh my gosh, that was yeah. hilarious. I mean, of course, like you expect that line, like from Nick, to be offended that he's not a threat level to anybody. Like it was just great. It was good. Yeah, I had a big laugh at the uh, goose choose a sideline and then kind of the reveal that you know goose is the smart one and you know by his his sense of smell he he was on the right side the whole time yeah yeah that was great what about what about the protector initiative how how that got changed a lot of people have a problem with this how how he saw the picture of the the jet and saw that carol's um jet was nicknamed the avenger and how he changed it from the protector initiative to the avenger initiative um, I didn't have, I didn't really have a problem with that at all. I mean, that was, that doesn't, I, I that doesn't bother me at all. Like there are some people who are saying that that means that Captain America is not really the first Avenger. And I'm like, he was, well, yeah, he is like chronologically yeah. he is. What are you talking Thor about? Like, is. If, if, that's the, if that's the truth, then Thor's the first Avenger. You're, yes, you're absolutely right. If we're going, nobody right called him an Avenger. And nobody, nobody even called her Captain Marvel in the movie. We didn't even get the Captain <laughs> Marvel logo until the end of the film. You're Great. right. I, mm. I, I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was cool. So I a movie, the movie, the movie, Captain America: The First Avenger was only called Captain America: The First Avenger because in some countries they can't call it Captain America, so they had to call it the First Avenger in other countries. Oh, okay. So in other so gotcha. certain countries, I mean. You, a lot of countries aren't going to go see a movie called Captain America, where it's promoting America. I'm the freedom of America guy, and I'm fighting for America. I'm the American hero. So they called it Captain America, the first Avenger. And so when you went to like see the movie in those certain countries, it was literally just called the first Avenger. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's probably another reason why they always try to tie those movies into such um, like main MCU mythos, too, like your Winter Soldier and your Civil War. Yeah. Because if it's just the Captain America thing, it the overseas is just going to Yeah, that, that's right. I, I, I think it was really cool. I think I thought it was cool that he changed the name because of her. I thought that was great. Um I mean, people can feel what they want, but yeah, I don't it's, know. It's, I, it's, I don't think it changes anything in in the MCU mythos. I loved it. I kind of fist bumped at it. Well, and then we got to hear like the, a little piece of the Avengers score right there at the yes. end. And it, mm-hmm. it reminded me, because they never go back to the screen where it says Avenger. You just kind of know. And and it reminded me of like the end of uh, was it was it Civil War when we were hoping to hear, you know, uh, Steve say Avengers yeah. assemble and like we never get it like they're doing it to us here again. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind That's of funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, and if anything, no. oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> this this episode should be titled "Sorry." Go ahead. Sorry. Fury, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Fury and Carol's relationship was so strong, and one of the best parts of the movie. And I, I'm totally like here for it. That you know that motivated him 
to name the initiative after her and yeah. you know you said avenger moniker I, I thought it was a really sweet sentiment and made a lot of sense it, no it i think that like, they should go back and change all the other movies to to the protectors jake <laughs> <laughs> maybe that'll make all the fanboys happy like they go back uh, and like they ask for a recall on all of our blu-rays and it's like now we get the protector edition now they're called the protectors Ugh, whatever. I know. When Rebecca was talking about like kind of the the reveal of Marvel and saying all uh-huh. the comic book fans were like, "Oh, that's cool." I was like, "Oh, yeah, no, not all of them." Well, that's that's a fair point. I, I guess I was just re- referencing the name Marvel, not the fact that Marvel was a woman, but um, yeah, but the but but the name Marvel. I, I just want I want reference. I want a whole movie of uh, Nick Fury and Carol. Uh, cleaning, uh, washing dishes together. Like I would watch, literally, <laughs> yeah, singing old Motown, I'm singing old there. Motown. I'm, I'm seriously, I would watch an hour and a half movie of them two and just like the interactions and them talking. That was so much fun. I loved. You know, this is their fourth project together. Wow, oh, I, I did not. Brie Larson and uh, well, well, what were the other three? I tell you what. Hold on, I will pause and look those up for you right now. Uh, here we go. So uh, they both previously appeared in uh, the films Farce of the Penguins back in 2006, Unicorn Store in 2017, and Kong Skull Island in 2017. So this is their fourth, fourth project together. And you can kind of tell that these, these two have worked together before when you watch them in panels and how they're always cracking up at each other's jokes and things like that. They, they just seem to have a blast when they're together. So, and, and, and see, that's what, that's the payoff here is like, we got to see them. Like they have a great chemistry because they've worked so many times in the past with one another that it really kind of came through and it kind of shined in this movie. And yeah, it's great. Even with the effects like laid on top of it, that did even like that was not a barrier at all. Yeah. And you very quickly even forget that's going on, really, and just kind of mm-hmm. you just fall into the fantasy really fast. At least I did. Hey, can I point this out before I forget the blockbuster store that she goes crashing yes. into? She actually crashed into the last blockbuster store in the world, the one that's located in Bend, Oregon. Oh, no way. Yeah, they, they filmed that scene. <laughs> That's awesome. They filmed that scene in Bend, Oregon. I also want to point out that it was called Blockbuster Video until 1999, and they got it right. The, st- the sign on the front of the store says Blockbuster Video, and that's what it was called up until 1999 when they lost the video, and they just called it Blockbuster. Yeah, and the year where we were like shortening everything. That was like the same year KFC came about, too. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. You, Jake, Jake's all pissed off about how they commemorate Stan in this, and how does how does Kentucky Fried Chicken do it? They do it by having the Colonel as a cartoon, or having a bunch of comedians play a dead man <laughs> and try to sell you a bucket of fucking chicken and uh, some biscuits and some mashed potatoes and gravy. What a, what a, I'm not justifying that. Either. What a tra- I know, isn't that a travesty? Like this guy, this yeah. is a this is a real man at one time. I remember, like this is a real man that lived that his whole life was like serving people chicken, frying up chicken, and se- giving people good chicken and good food to eat. And he dies, and he, they turn him into a cartoon. Yeah, sing- put, put, put him in a RoboCop costume. <laughs> put him in a RoboCop costume. <laughs> and have have Norm McDonald play him in a fucking commercial. It's like, are you, oh. what's going on here? 
probably my favorite um, actual song usage in the movie happened mm-hmm. right after the blockbuster scene with the uh, the shoop being played by the uh, park security guard. Yes, that was great. <laughs> That was great. Uh, just instant laugh, and you know, definitely one of those songs that you just heard way too much of on the radio. Oh yeah, hadn't heard for fifteen years. What was? I I definitely laughed at that. What was Coulson doing in that Radio Shack for so long? (laughs) For real, I I, I have to say, in each each of my showings, when they when they pan to the Radio Shack, everybody laughed, and I did too. It was hilarious because I was like, "Oh my god, Radio Shack!" Like. It, it was great, like to revisit the '90s a little bit here. Like the the nostalgia of the '90s just adds to the the flavor of the day. I think you're missing one of the big parts of that laugh there, Rebecca. It's that the, basically the security guard himself is advocating that she rob a radio shack. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that is true. I, uh, I I did enjoy that. That guy was was so I mean, it, I felt like his reactions were like really organic. But when, when she comes up to him and he's just like wide eyed, like, what the fuck? He can't even barely talk. And. He's like, where could I get communications equipment? And he just points to the radio shack and and then he calls it in, I guess, at some point, like, oh, someone's robbing a radio shack. <laughs> what did yeah, you guys- the whole thing was so was so just like funny. She's like, Hey, yeah, Veers, Cree Star Force. Anyway, so <laughs> where do I go to get this stuff? To, and then uh and and even what actually like made me laugh uh was the fact that every time uh, in the theaters, even her crashing into the blockbuster when it would pan out, they it still got a really good laugh, even though it was like in all the trailers and everything. Like everybody was still like all about that scene, and then like her shooting the True Lies poster or that little stand up thing was hilarious too. Oh, and then well, all the movies that I was like looking at, like I was like, okay, I know that's Hook. I know that that's yes, Hook. I, know, I know that that's Tommy Boy. Yep. Oh, uh, the mm-hmm. right stuff. She picked up the right stuff, and that's a that's a, a astronaut. You know, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's crazy, and so I really enjoyed that. Um, the uh, what what was there's something I definitely wanted to talk about um, before I lost my, I lost my train of thought. Um, I love that. Like what Ashley was saying, I love the the hard cut. Like, as much as we'd seen the blockbuster shot, uh-huh. they did such a hard cut to it. I think is what made the laugh still happen. <laughs> it was great editing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I, I loved I loved the way that all the Cree tech looked. Like I loved her like little how they could call out of their hand with those little like almost. And Tom, she also saw the supreme intelligence stuff. Like all of those little like tendrils that were like techie. And mm-hmm. her ability, her ability to take like the Game Boy and like all of that stuff together and make a <laughs> communicator. When did they sell Game connects. Boys? When did they sell Game Boys at Radio Shack, though, Jake? Uh, I did. I did also roll my eyes a little bit at that. Yeah. I, I cannot back check that. It does not seem hundred percent true. <laughs> it does not seem true. But I did like when she made the call out. It made that little Game Boy sound. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they definitely did. There was definitely them trying to cram in as many '90s things as possible. Mm, a little sure. bit of that was a little bit eye rolly sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't like right. how many 90s posters can we cram on this wall while she, mm-hmm. while, while well, she stands there oh look rock the vote you know oh look, you know, yeah yeah a little bit over the top, smashing pumpkins melancholy and the infinite sadness posters all over yep. the back I was, yeah oh yeah i was like yeah, yeah. i had i had that double cd as well i get it <laughs> i mean i i think that they approach the the line of too much 
I, I, I think they approach the line of like, don't forget we're in the 90s, everybody. But I, I don't think they ever crossed it, at least not for me. I, I thought I found most of the references to be quite playful and, and enjoyable. Yeah, so well, we, I, I, I liked all that stuff. We didn't have yeah, video. They, they kind of earned their credit because some stuff really worked, like the slow loading that you didn't even actually yes. ever oh. see in real 90s movies. Like real 90s movies pretended yes. that wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. But yet here we actually finally get the truth. That yeah. was a great scene, right? What's what's happening? It's loading. My whole audience like <laughs> erupted in laughter. Everybody was just laugh because we all remember, right? That moment of putting the CD in the tower and then mm-hmm. you had to wait and and I just love that they're just all used to it. They're just waiting and she's like, What's happening? What, what's going on? Like I love that. Uh, I'm, there's something I really wanted to bring up and I lost my train of thought and I apologize guys. Um, cause I'm not take a quick break. Do you mind? Yeah, that's fine. Listen, group. It's simple. If you want to help the pop culture leftovers, go to the pop and do all your shopping from the Amazon link. I am Groot. It doesn't cost you extra and it helps the leftovers. Got it? I am Groot. Yeah. People can buy hats at Amazon. Are you still hung up on that hats thing? I am Groot. Yeah, okay, I got it. You don't have to buy your hats there. I am Groot. You're impossible. For anyone else who doesn't have a strange or borderline psychotic hatred for hats, please head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon link already. I am Groot. And now you're wearing a hat. I freaking give up. Attention, the following is an important consumer warning. Listening to PCL might be harmful to your health. I'm Yaden Palm. You might know me as Sturdy, but after years of listening to PCL, I might have developed a multiple personality syndrome. At first, I didn't quite buy into it until... <laughs> the cynical laughter of the Joker popped into my head, but things got really weird when my wife found me in the dark closet saying, The power of the darkness, and I will let nothing stand in our way. At which point, I jumped up and said to her, Well, there, honey, I didn't know sitting there watching me. Then it dawned on me. I don't even have a wife. It was Ollie Williams with the Blackie Report. It's gonna rain! Get your umbrella! All in all, the condition isn't that bad because I have the PCL. Ohana means family. For more of my voices, search me on social media, Y-E-A-D-O-N Paul Vio. Alright, hey, we are back. Uh, guys, real quick, there was one of the, th- there was something I wanted to talk about and I just remembered, um, we always kind of remembered, like, okay, in the early like uh you know photo uh photos that were coming out of the, this movie like the first photo that came out of brie larson in the suit was her in this green suit and so people were freaking out like that's not captain marvel that's not the captain marvel colors and like some fans were just like kind of like chill out it's just the cree colors it's that's cree green chill out and but we all kind of like wondered how does he how does she get her captain mm-hmm. marvel suit and her Captain Marvel colors and it was such a simple thing like I didn't know that her suit had MS paint built into it you know I, <laughs> I had no clue isn't your suit doesn't your suit I'm, <laughs> and so it was just a simple thing it, it wasn't like this big like 
uh, she got onto a Cree ship and she had to, you know, 3D print her new suit with the new colors. <laughs> it was like, no, like, and the suits that, uh, you know, that, oh that she God. was, the selections that she was going through. It was funny. The first one was a red and yellow color scheme, which was basically like kind of poking it fun at the new, uh, you know, Shazam suit, which I thought was kind of, kind of funny because like we've got you know the original captain marvel coming out next month and it was kind of just like a little joke i think it was not a i don't even i would i don't even want to call it a jab i just kind of like want to call it you know just a fun easter egg and uh then like the neon one kind of reminded me of like the color scheme that we saw in like thor ragnarok and i really thought that that was cool um i love the gold one i thought that was really cool but yeah it was just just an awesome scene of but i how it's crazy like little kids you hand them like an iphone and they know how to use it automatically <laughs> like you've got monica rambo and she's like using cree technology and she's able to just do this like it's nothing like she's like oh yeah i can make it look like my shirt just by pushing these random honeycomb buttons on your fucking <laughs> like how do you know how to use this it's like you give kids a, a tablet and they just run with it you know yeah, that, that was really cool. I kind of the second time I watched it, I noticed like she's like gives Monica the, the choice of what to do. But then at the end of the day, she's like, just make it like the shirt. Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was pretty cool. because It's like her shirt originally anyway. So it's kind of like Carol inspiring Carol <laughs> through through this little girl. I think that, cool. I think it's really cool that she kind of like saved that design. Because like yeah. when she meets Yon Rog in like that little shack, she's back to her Cree colors. No, 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 no. That was the that was the scroll impersonating mm-hmm. her. That yes. was the science guy scroll. And he got science guy. And he got killed. He died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was sad. He was my favorite. I liked him. He was funny. <laughs> he would be like like if the scrolls had like their own like uh like uh you know like what's it what's it Silicon Valley show on HBO. Like he would be like the the scroll <laughs> the scroll version of like that, you know, that show. He would be on there, right? Yeah, that, I'd watch that show. I would too. Oh God, that'd be <laughs> great. Scrollicon Valley. Scrollicon Valley. I love it, Jake. <laughs> I'm all about it. They get investigated yeah, think, by yeah. they get investigated by Agent Scrollson. <laughs> <laughs> Here it goes. Oh, that joke was a fucking fine wine. Yeah, I know it yeah. finally aged well. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to bring it back around to that because, like, the first time, zero reaction. Man, it was a smash hit when you brought it back, though. <laughs> so yeah, um, uh, we got the pager in this movie. We got the pager. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's one of those things that uh, we see the pager in its original form and and he uses it to kind of like uh, get uh, shield out there so they can, you know, you know, uh, capture her. And uh, she takes it from him. She gives it back to him at the end of the movie and she's given it the upgrades. And there was an interview that Kevin Feige had with Slash Film and they asked him about the pager and why Fury hadn't used it before the Battle of New York. And uh, Feige says, well, I'd say two things. One, she does say it's got to be a real emergency, right? Yeah. The other thing I'd say is, how do you know he never hit it? How do we know he never pushed it before? We've never seen him push it before. That doesn't mean he never did. 
Yeah, that's true. She this could be like the fourth time she's come and helped him out for yeah. some major thing. For all we know, how many times have you butt dialed that's somebody, really, Jake? Yeah, good point. How many times have you butt dialed <laughs> somebody, Jake? Like, wouldn't that be funny if they had just like you know, he, like he accidentally hits the fucking button and like she shows up and he's like, oh shit, um, yeah, about <laughs> that. <laughs> I just need a roll of toilet paper from the other stall, Captain Marvel. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh shit! <laughs> so I guess I guess like space whales in the sky are just—that's not a real emergency. Honestly, We're gonna save her for another time. <laughs> I do. I do think that. I think that he, in that moment, that's the whole reason he started the Protector Initiative or the Avenger Initiative. Is like, like. The planets that she's protecting out there in space don't have Avengers like we have Avengers. So in that moment, we have Avengers and he's thinking we don't need her right now. He does address that. You're absolutely right, Brian. He specifically says that she's got shit to do and we're not going to be able to to depend on her or count on her because she's got her own important shit to deal with, yeah. with the, the Kree of it all. And so we have to get our own, you know, Avengers, our own people when the shit goes down. Right. And so he's the whole point of the Battle of Chitauri is that he's accomplished his mission. And you don't prove that he's accomplished his mission by him hitting the button that says mm. he didn't accomplish you've it. Got a Nor- to- you've got a Norse god and a Hulk fighting on your team. And you're going to call in Captain Marvel for this. No, they got it covered. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, exactly. He, no, he spent his, it's his life's work to make this team and to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And there they are proving that it's a thing. And by hitting that button, you exactly prove that it's not a thing. And it, it was just work. one city. It's not like it's not like this was like a global thing. Like what was happening at the end of Avengers Infinity War is that half of the population is disintegrating into ash, the decimation. And I mean, he's seeing this happening. He's seeing Maria Hill being taken. Now he's he's feeling it too he knows he's going to be taken and he's like oh my gosh if i don't push this now i'll never get the chance she's got to come here and she's got i mean this is affecting everyone so it it, it, as for some people you'll never talk him into it making sense jake but for me it makes 100 percent sense yeah i bought it too and i thought about it and and kind of worked myself into the conclusion i did i it makes perfect sense it sounds like ashley's still bucking us on this one jake (laughs) <laughs> no, I, thought she came. I don't know i'm kidding this, this is the thing too though like it, when he's when i because I, I read that too with, with kevin foggy said and it, yeah. i was like if if he pressed it and she hadn't come like he pressed it a couple different times like oh this is happening and then she just didn't show up like that's just not cool yeah. and i feel like that's just not carol so i'm glad at least i that i didn't think about right that she kind of maybe covertly showed up did some things and then booked it but Okay, okay, okay. It's all good. Hey, you, let's talk about, uh, let's jump into, can we talk about the post-post-credit scene? I want to talk about the mid credit scene after that. Okay. Um, if mm-hmm. that's okay. Uh, what happened to my notes on the post-post-credit scene? Where are you? Okay, yeah, we see um, uh, Goose on uh, Fury's uh, desk, and he does the classic cat puking. <laughs> shit and regurgitates <laughs> he pukes up the tesseract on that i feel like the uh the post post credit scenes just seem like they're more mostly jokes now um n- not in all cases like wasn't it in black panther the post post credit scene was was bucky uh they were giving him the new uh vibranium arm 
Oh, I think you're correct about that. Mm, no, they didn't give him the arm until Infinity War. I think that's when we saw him and they, I think they started what? calling him White Wolf. What? What are oh. you talking about, Rebecca? At the end of, at the end of uh, Black Panther, we got, a, we got Bucky in the, one of the post credit scenes. They, yeah, open, right. they open up the box and they show him the arm. And they said they, okay. they they right he's there in Wakanda. That's like the big reveal. I I didn't say that Bucky was not in Wakanda at the end of Black Panther. No 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 I no. I'm saying like the post credit scene was him in Wakanda, and they open up that box and they 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 show him like the, the new vibranium arm. Right? Am I crazy? I, I, th- I thought that was an Infinity War, but if if I don't know, I, I could be wrong. I think the, the end credit scene is him just – you just see that he's there. No. He shows up. You guys are nuts. You're fucking nuts. Shuri's there. I remember like Shuri's in the end credit sequence. You guys are all fucking nuts. I'm pausing it. We're going to get on fucking Netflix right now and watch this Go, shit. Okay. Google. Googling. <laughs> okay. So I'm overlapping and I'm wrong. So like the, they, give the, they give that arm to the drummer from Def Leppard. That that's, that's what, like the yeah. exactly. I, it, it makes sense why you're overlapping though, because it's one of those. In, Marvel does this with the couple, of the post credit sequence. They also do it with the Ant Man and the Van scene, where the scenes kind of overlap the scene when you actually see them happen in the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to kind of mix it up in your head like that, like which part happened where, where because it, it is very much the same scene yeah. when it picks up in the next movie. Yeah, I knew that they showed Bucky at the like the post post credit scene in that, and I just assumed that they showed him the fucking arm too. I'm wrong. So, Rebecca, I apologize for flipping the fuck out. I do it. That's on, quite all right. I, I do it on occasion, you know. Yeah, you know, every once or twice an episode. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> oh, fuck it. I'll own it. I fucked up. You're, you're, you're the, you, you were right and I was wrong. Um, let's see here. So, yeah, um, in this scene, I thought it was funny, though, that you've got Goose, uh, the, uh, the flurkin, and... People are like wondering, like you know, when when this uh, when this cat swallows stuff, like why doesn't the cat like get bigger? You know, he swallowed three <laughs> three Cree. Well, the cat has uh, these uh, these uh, interdimensional like pockets. These uh, inside of it, that's part of its anatomy. So, um, when Goose swallowed the Tesseract, this is actually an Easter egg from the Avengers, the first Avengers movie, when Natasha is trying to recruit Bruce Banner to the Avengers team, she shows a picture of the Tesseract on a device. She shows it to Bruce and she says, this is the Tesseract. It has the energy to wipe out the entire planet. And then Bruce says, what does Fury want me to do? Swallow it? And so that's exactly. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. I like that. That's a cool Easter egg. I like that. That's exactly what we see happen in this movie. We see Goose swallow that. Um, Then we have our mid-credit scene here uh, for this film, um, which, yeah, I kind of want to get into this and break this one down. Um, It's uh, set, you know, after the events of Avengers Infinity War, we've got uh, Steve Rogers, Natasha, Bruce Banner, and uh, Rhodey, and they are kind of monitoring that pager, the one that Fury activated in Infinity War, and all of a sudden it just stops. And then, you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're seeing, they're, uh, they're watching these maps of different countries, and they're looking at the at the the decimation total and like you know they've got indonesia and all these different countries and like how many people 
are, um, are, are, are it's calculating how many people are gone. And, um, you know, they see that the pager's gone off. They don't know what this means. And um, all of a sudden, you know, Natasha turns around and, and there's Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. And she asks, where's Fury? So a couple things to notice here is that uh, a lot of people, us included, uh, Jake, uh, we've speculated that, oh, Captain Marvel is going to show up in the third act of the film. We were dead fucking wrong. Uh, wrong. (laughs) This is like all the stuff that we're kind of seeing here. uh, What we're led to believe is stuff that takes place within the first 15 to 20 minutes of the film. This is stuff that's kind of like, you know, the Russos have said this. Kevin Feige has said this. and so here we have Captain Marvel showing up to Avengers headquarters in uh, New York City and basically, uh, yeah, kind of like putting that rumor to, to bed that she's going to be in this movie from the very get go. Um, one thing that I want to talk about here is that uh, she does look different. The suit does look different. It looks more military grade and she's got a lot more gold around the shoulders and in the, and in the, in the costume, so this is a completely different suit that she's wearing. Uh, the hair looked different. Too. The hair looked different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it, and I'm like looking at the suit, and it's like sometimes it does look. I haven't gotten enough view of it, but it kind of looks like it's either the same suit with some upgrades and some changes, like because that gold could bet- could potentially be underneath the red on her shoulders, and then in the middle of her chest, it almost looks like she ripped that Holostar off. And it's just like what's left underneath, almost like with when uh, what Steve did with his star uh, in Infinity War after after Civil War. Yeah. So it's really it'll really be interesting to see what her suit looks like and if it is like a fully new suit well, or we if haven't, it's like weirdly yeah. modified. We, we well we haven't even seen like you know her legs or anything like that like below. Right. So it's like it's basically we're just looking at like the upper half of this suit. But it, it's definitely it's I don't know. You're saying it could be the same suit just modified. Like it, it almost because I, I'm as a cosplayer, I'm like a, like really into looking at the intricacies of the suit, um, and it almost looks like on her, her the suit that we see that the, there's almost like a red piece over the shoulder, so it almost looks like those red pieces are removed, and that gold is what's underneath. Mm. Okay. So like gotcha. she's had some battle damage, something whatever, and she ripped them yeah, off. It does look, it does look, ba- it does look battle worn. I will say that absolutely. Yeah, and and it's and she doesn't have that same hollow star in her yeah. chest, and it almost looks like concave. But the re- the rest of the pieces kind of look consistent with the yeah. original suit. So I'm You're kind right. of going back and forth with the two of like, is it a new suit or is it like stuff she's done to it? Yeah. Like how did how did she get a new suit? That's you a know, good it's point. Been Twenty years. I thought that too when I looked at the suit. I was like, this suit's been through battle. Like this is not just like mm-hmm. a, this is she just didn't get this back from like the fucking dry cleaner. Like this has gone through some battles. You can tell. And so, yeah, it could be – it's not that it's modified. It's just that, you know, some pieces are missing. And so it's like, <laughs> right, yeah. like along the way. Right. Like, oh, fuck this piece. Right, like, right. Um, so I don't know. Like, I, I thought this was pretty – I thought it was pretty incredible. I loved this oh scene. Oh, my God. Um, it kind of blew me away. I was happy to see that she was there and that she's going to be there from the beginning. Did you guys hear about the shareholders meeting that they showed scenes that happened directly after this? No, that's really Oh my awful. god, no. <laughs> what? Rebecca, did you hear about the shareholders meeting? I have not, so please tell us. Okay, so there was Avengers Endgame footage description uh, that was released 
uh, by uh, a certain individual, a Twitter user, Scott Latawig, uh, and another source from Heroic Hollywood. And it wasn't a trailer. This uh, this comes from Slash Film. It was uh, a couple of scenes spliced together, but it gives us an idea of what the Avengers are doing with their new cosmic ally, Captain Marvel. And it answers some questions while raising a few more. Uh, I'm going to read directly from the article here from Slash Film. And this is what uh, the what they saw in that shareholders meeting. Uh, the first scene shows. Uh, the first scene shown took place at the Avengers headquarters in upstate New York. Captain Marvel is with all the surviving members of the team after the mighty snap of Thanos. Nebula is there, too. But for some reason, Tony Stark isn't. It's unclear why she would be there without Tony Stark since they were stranded on the Benatar together. We're also not sure how Captain Marvel is already comfortable enough with the Avengers to be at their headquarters, but that's probably something that will be explained in one of the two Captain Marvel credit scenes. Uh, anyway, Captain Marvel is ready to go kill Thanos, and Nebula thinks she knows where the Mad Titan will be. She refers to a place called the Garden, the farm we saw Thanos retire to after carrying out his deed at the end of Avengers Infinity War. The prospect of a rematch is discussed between Captain Marvel, Black Widow, War Machine, and Captain Marvel. Wait, oh, Captain America, excuse me, they wrote that down wrong. Captain America, Black Widow, War Machine, and Captain Marvel, and Bruce Banner smartly asks, how will this be different? Captain Marvel confidently says that they have her this time. Uh, if Captain Marvel is so powerful that she'll make it easy to defeat Thanos this time, then where was she when Earth needed help before? War Machine point blank asks her this very question, and she explains that there are a lot of planets in the galaxy who don't have a team of Avengers defending them. That doesn't seem like a good enough answer for Thor, who suddenly steps up from the background and summons his axe as he walks up to confront Captain Marvel, she stands here without flinching, and then Thor simply says, I like this one. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> this is giving me so, so the, much good anxiety. The, <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, like, that's. Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, there is more. Um, <laughs> the, next, the next scene shows everybody on the Benatar buckled in and ready to go kill Thanos. Rocket Raccoon asks if there's anyone who hasn't been to space. Captain America, Black Widow, and War Machine all raise their hands. Bruce Banner isn't <laughs> Bruce Banner isn't with them, and Rocket just tells them not to puke on the ship. As the ship takes off, the camera moves in on one of Captain America's eyes, reflecting the stars of space as they head off to get their revenge. Curiously, Ant-Man and Iron Man are not with the team. The former popped up at the end of the of the first Avengers Endgame teaser, and the latter was marooned in space with Nebula. So here we go, guys. That is the description of the footage that was shown at the Disney shareholders meeting, uh, and this takes place directly after what we saw in captain marvel which i do 100 percent believe that that scene was not just made for that movie 
I do believe that what we saw in that mid credit scene is a scene that we will see in the film. And the reason I think that is because I don't think that they're going to leave that out of the movie because that's the first time any of these characters are seeing Carol Danvers. I agree with that. Completely. Right. And like, like I talked earlier, they do that a lot with these, with these scenes. We kind of pick right back up with them. So we've seen that at least four or five times in the previous end credit scenes to next movies. We have. Absolutely. Um, so, but it sounds like they're going to fight Thanos early in this movie. Like, I don't think that Jake, Rebecca, Ashley, I don't think that we're going to have to wait around for the third act of this film to see a big Thanos battle. I think we're going to see it very early in this movie. But I think that there's going to be a little bit more to it when you're dealing with a guy that is in possession of all the time stones. I Mm -hmm. think, I think this could be another issue of them being caught in a time loop. And what's different about what we're hearing about here that we know that we see in the movie is who isn't here yet. Iron Man is not being discussed. Ant-Man is not being discussed. So I think that until those guys show up in this movie, I think that they might be caught in a loop where they, maybe Captain Marvel continues to kill Thanos over and over again, and it just keeps repeating the loop. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I don't think that it ends here. I do not think that it ends here. I think that they do fight Thanos early on in this movie. And I think from there, they've got to figure out a way to, uh, collect all these stones or something. And I think, I think Ant-Man's going to be Ant-Man and Tony are going to be the big heroes here. Hmm. Do you think, do you think that they fight Thanos early in the movie and defeat, no, and, and defeat him? Yes. Like, yes, he's, they fight, they defeat, and now the rest of the movie is going to be like picking up the pieces. Yes, I either I either think that it's a combo. They've got Captain Marvel this time. Captain Marvel like incapacitates Thanos, and then Thor aims for the head and kills him, and then the loop starts over again. Oh, I I hear you. I I hear what you're saying. Okay, that is absolutely possible. That is like it's not possible. as because like think about think about the time think about him. the think about the time loop that we saw. Think about the time loop that Doctor Strange started when he fought Dormammu. That time loop. I mean, that was because he was using the time stone. That time loop kept happening over and over and over and over again. And I feel like with Thanos in Basically, with Thanos in control of this, uh, uh, the time stone or, or starting a time loop or something that like, even if they kill him, like it could just go back to the beginning of that time loop. And, and it doesn't you can't really, you know, how many times did we see uh, Doctor Strange? Like, I've come here to bargain, Dormammu. I've come here to bargain. Like, and it keeps going over and over and over again. Like, I don't feel like yes. you can truly kill Thanos with with at the beginning of this movie and I think I think I think what we will see I do think that we will see possibly Captain Marvel like you know punch Thanos so hard and knock him out and fuck him up really bad and then maybe Thor you know take Stormbreaker and go for the head and kill him and we're all kind of like whoa what the fuck is happening how did yeah. how did they kill Thanos and then all of a sudden it's Groundhog's Day it's Groundhog's Day bitches <laughs> <laughs> and you're waking up and you're just like, nothing's changed. 
nothing's it's changed. Like an infinite stalemate loop. I really like that theory a lot, Brian. I, I could easily potentially see that happening. It's just kind of where they're stuck while we have to figure out the, all the time stuff now. Yeah, yeah. Totally, and then it, then the the piece of her being super powered is not as be all end all as she just comes in and defeats Thanos and they'll go home. You know, then it's like it's more than that. So it forces them to basically come together as a team and figure it out together with each of their strengths. And like almost almost like in a, the theme of that last or one of that fights in Infinity War where Mantis is like incapacitating him. You know, Tony's holding this. They're all you know they're all working together to kind of get the gauntlet off this is kind of just an extension of that of like you can't just kill him now you have to yeah. figure it out with the time and then you so somebody has to go do this and somebody else has to bring this and then you all have to come together and actually beat him as a team it's really cool yeah i i really don't know how they're going to defeat thanos i i really do think that this movie is going to shock us i, I do think that you know, Captain Marvel is like, we got to hunt this guy down. Nebula is basically telling the team right here in this in this footage description that she thinks she knows where Thanos is, the garden. If she knows their location, like if he if she knows his location, they're all just going to go to hunt him down to kill him. Right. I mean, now you've got Captain Marvel. I just don't think it's that simple. I don't think mm-hmm. it's that simple. I I think like even if she does have the strength to to kick his ass. Which, I mean, I think they kind of established that in this movie. We literally saw a third act of her basically just going fucking binary and flying out into space and uh, just destroying a Kree starship just by flying through it and punching through it. Mm -hmm. She basically just throws her arms out and, like, pushes her chest out and just crashes into a ship and it explodes. Like, she's (laughs) she's, she's just like – she's like – you know what I mean? She's just, like, way overpowered at the end of this movie and just destroying everything which i'm not saying overpowered is a bad thing in this case because it was pretty fucking awesome um but i like here we see her go up against thanos and like pretty much like easily defeat him but like is it that is it going to be that easy is it going to be that easy i don't think so no definitely a catch-22 yeah I don't know. I can't. I, and who knows? I think that's the thing. That's what I love about these Marvel movies is like going in like we never really know. I, you know, and we're going to have to. I know we're going back to the Battle of New York. I, I've also speculated like what if like some of these villains that we've had in past movies actually turn out to be heroes now? I think like Loki might be playing a different role when we go back to, in time to the Battle of New York. Loki might be a good guy. For all we know, they might be going back to different parts different movies and pulling people out of different <laughs> pulling characters out of different movies to help defeat Thanos. The, guys, for all we know, we might get Ultron. Ultron. They might redeem Ultron. They might make Ultron look cool. They might pull Ultron. Oh my out god! Of, yeah, they might pull oh Ultron. They, Redemption. Might, they might pull Ultron out of that movie, and we might see Ultron. Could this bring back Quicksilver? I don't know. I don't know if Aaron. Yes. I don't know if Aaron. It could. Yeah, Aaron Taylor Johnson's. I mean, we see him do like a couple kick-ass movies, but does he want to come back and do the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Mm, I had thought that he had not. signed. I, I had thought he had signed a contract to do a couple of movies with Marvel, which is why I was like, I thought he was going to come back. Don't say that unless off? you know. I want you to Google it. You need to find out. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Yeah, but, I love what you're talking about, Brian. Yeah. Though, like the the idea of plucking different characters Red from Skull. specific different times. Red Skull. It's just such the Avengers Forever like yeah. conceit, man. And yes. I hope they do that kind of stuff so much for villains and the heroes. Yeah. Like it'd be so fun to see like two different time to place teams like fighting each other. Jake, what about this? What about this? Could they? Since we know Kevin Feige's kind of confirmed that there are alternate dimensions, could they go into another Earth and pull heroes from that other Earth? Could that be the Hawkeye that we see here? Yeah, I was just gonna say, what is that where they get Ronan? Is that where they get Ronan? I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I've heard a lot of who theories. knows. Yeah, I've heard a lot. Those. They're so tricky. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, there's so much stuff you can do and a lot of smart ways to move the story forward with the time travel. Like it's not just goofing around with the past, like the characters themselves and their new interactions. Like you can do a a lot of unique stuff with them finding things out that they didn't know from the past. Right. Yes. Like what are the reveals going to be here? Yeah. Yeah, I like that as well. I like that as well. Like we do know that uh, Loki was being like Loki. He's the god of mischief. We all know that. But we also have found out recently, just from a new entry that's been entered into the MCU wiki, uh, from uh, the MCU fandom page or whatever you want, that Loki has been influenced by the Tesseract. The Tesseract kind of, like, made him a little bit more evil, right? Definitely. Not Tesseract, the mind mind stone. We talked about that with the show, too, kind of pushing this agenda that other forces and motivations kind of made him more seemingly evil. Than it was the really mind is. stone. It was the mind stone. I apologize. The scepter, the mind stone. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I agree with that. And yeah. I think we, we might see that narrative start to take fold in Endgame. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Three hours. Are we getting a three hour movie? Endgame? A hundred percent. It would be a, an a just unjust if they did not like give us everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, I want I think, an old school intermission. I think too. we're getting three hours. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't want an intermission. I just want it to continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's smart with the audience. I, you're going to have a lot of younger set, and if you're really going to push that three three hour thing, I, let those little kids pee. When was the when was the last intermission movie? Was that JFK? Uh, me and you had an intermission for uh, Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight had an intermission. You're right. Yeah. I mean, like, so you that's, know, the last that's something that they used it, to do back in the day. Like it was I, I don't I don't think we're going to get an intermission for a Marvel movie. I think that they want to get these done as quickly as possible so they can start another <laughs> showing. Agreed. If it's going to be three hours already, even adding the extra 10 minutes for the intermission could potentially wedge yeah. out a showing. Yeah, so. I don't think they're going to do that. I mean, it's like I agree. Uh, you know what? I, if you ever watch like Gone with the Wind on like TCM Turner Classic Movies or something like that, they still keep the intermission in there. I love that. That's I do really too. Cool. Yeah. Hey, uh oh, what was I gonna say? I had something. <laughs> oh, what was I gonna say? Oh, that was like an eighties noise. Uh oh. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about what I want to talk about Captain Marvel two speculation and what I believe that what that what that could be about. Uh, I just want to like, did you guys have any final thoughts about Avengers Endgame, any of the footage that I described or any other theories that you wanted to bring to the table? I don't want to move on unless you guys have any more thoughts on that. No, we can focus on more of the Captain Marvel of it all. We got plenty of time to stir the Avengers Endgame pot, you know, pot, I think. We got about a month and a half before we get that movie. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be here before we know it. It's exciting. I really, mm-hmm. I, me and you spoke about this right before Captain uh-huh. Marvel, Brian. I really enjoyed the space between Marvel movies here. It really did bring another level of excitement for me sure. for Captain Marvel. Just having the really big gap between you know Ant Man and the Wasp and this, like yeah. it, it just made the whole thing feel so much more fresh. It added to the excitement. Now here we are again. We are uh, going to be going into uh, Avengers Endgame by the end of next month. And then we literally only have to wait about another two, two and a half months before we get Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, which is uh, going to premiere in July. So, you know, that's three movies within just within a short time, just really taking advantage of, uh, you know, spring. And then, like, of course, like the, the summer blockbuster I, after after that. There's really nothing announced other than we know we're getting um, an Eternals film. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 has been pushed back. We don't know when we're getting that. Uh, We know that we're getting a Black Widow film. My question to you is Black Widow, is Natasha Romanoff going to die in Avengers Endgame? And that I feel like – and the reason I'm saying that, and I I can't compare it to everything, but here's the thing. We had – Star Wars, The Force Awakens comes out, and we uh, finally get to see what uh, Han Solo's been up to for the past, you know, 30 years. What's Han Solo been up to? Oh, he had a dickhead son, and uh, his kid killed him. And then we get Solo, the movie. So it's kind of like, oh, you just, you lost Han Solo. He died. His fucking dickhead son killed him. But you know what? We're going to take a little bit of the sting away, and we're going to cast Alden Ehrenreich as a young Han Solo and give you a, a whole Han Solo-centric movie. Is that, what, is that what's happening here? Is basically, is Disney, is Disney, are, did Marvel Studios, are they going to kill Natasha Romanoff, Black Widow, in Avengers Endgame? Is she going to die? And are we getting this Black Widow prequel movie to kind of like, I don't know, We've all been asking for it. But on the flip side, is it also going to kind of like take away a little bit of the sting of her death that we get to see this character again? I don't want it at that cost. Like in a perfect world, I I do not want her to die. I mean, the Marvel Cinematic Universe needs as many strong female superhero characters as they have. Uh, We're going to get more. We're going to Jake, we're we're, we're getting Kamala Khan. It's happening. You know, like we've got confirmation from Kevin Feige that uh, Kamala Khan, uh, Ms. Marvel is coming. I feel like Shuri's going to be a big deal. I know that they haven't announced Ironheart, but I think that we will get Riri Williams. I 100% think that by phase five, we're getting Riri Williams. I think that we're going to get a lot more female characters coming into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. How long is uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson going to be playing uh, Black Widow? And, you know, for all we know, for all we know, Kate Bishop, we're going to have this actress from 13 Reasons Why playing Kate Bishop in Avengers Endgame. She might be playing Tony Stark's daughter. We don't know. But I, I mean, there's a, there's a tons of potential for uh, new female characters. Like, and, and it feels like, you know, I don't know. It feels like Avengers Endgame might be like out with the old and with the new. Like there might not be that many carryovers from the original, you know, you know, we might cap Iron Man. Both might die. I mean, like, how long? Yeah, I, I see mean, what that, you're saying. I mean, that that's what Kevin Feige had said ages ago. I remember a quote. It, it, you probably read it, Brian, where he said, after Avengers Endgame, everything will be different. Like, everything will be different. And so I think 
is it possible we, you know, they, they kill off uh, Scarlett Johansson, uh, Black Widow? It's absolutely possible. I don't count anybody as being safe. I don't, because they showed us with Infinity War. Doctor Strange is safe. Doctor Strange is safe. Black Panther's safe. Peter Parker is safe. Sure. Okay. Yes. Well, I, okay. So then, <laughs> but at the same time, like, you, I think you see my point that yeah. it's the idea is that there are characters out there that, I mean, could we see the end of Bruce Banner? There's no solo Hulk movie planned. No. Maybe. No. Who knows? I'm just that's, saying a that that's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. I know. But what I'm saying is that they're, for a lot of the characters, unless they explicitly have a movie coming up, who knows? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, distribution rights with Universal is like the whole Hulk thing. I, I Contracts are another thing you've got it's i mean it's it's not just about and so i i don't think ruffalo is going anywhere i i I, but i do think that there's a good chance that scarlett johansson's done with the marvel cinematic universe i do think that there's a good chance that she could be gone I think there's a, there's a, also a great chance that, uh, that that Renner's done. I mean, can are they how how much longer is Renner going to be playing Hawkeye, like a character that gets overlooked in every film? Like he didn't even show up in the last one, which I know it makes sense. Like it's cool to see. Like I think this movie is going to be a movie where a lot of characters that were overlooked in Infinity War will show up. I hope to see, you know, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Meek and uh, Korg, and uh, I hope to see Valkyrie show up in this movie, which I believe she is going to show up. It, it seems like, you know, her and Hemsworth filming the Men in Black movie, they both kind of left London to, like, do something else, and it seems like they were doing some reshoots here for Avengers uh, Endgame. I um, saw some toy leaks too for Valkyrie. So did I. Pretty positive. Yeah. She's I'm sure be. she's in it too. And, but, you know, like, and so, like, of course, you know, you're going to leave out Clint. And I think they're going to introduce this story that his family was, you know, caught up in the decimation that he lost everybody. And, you know, that's why he goes Ronin and, you know, starts, goes to Japan, starts killing the Yakuza. Um, of course. What else would you do? Yeah, you know, as you would. You know, <laughs> as as one does, you know. <laughs> yeah, I agree with all this though. Like it's such a giant scheduling snafu for the yeah. most part for for Renner with very little payoff except for maybe finally in this one. That uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Jake, how much what about, longer is he going to deal with this bullshit? Well, what about a Disney Plus show? Would would, would they give him like? See, <laughs> my dream, Jake, and I know, I know, I know, I know. My dream though. We've seen a lot more of these actors do these shows. Like we recently had Mahershala Ali do True Detective. Okay, I mean, what if this Disney Plus? They're throwing money out, man. They are throwing money out. They're saying, "Hey, we're gonna give these. We're gonna give the Mandalorian. We're gonna give Mandalorian a huge budget. We're giving these Disney Plus shows a huge budget." I'm, I just dropped. Whoa. I just dropped. Uh, I gave. I hope I have a huge budget to clean up my floor. <laughs> but um, I'm glad I finished that fucking beer. That's a good. Um, but you know, uh, what if what if there's like what if they're gonna throw a huge budget at Jeremy Renner to do a Disney Plus Hawkeye series? Like, and they're like, hey, you know what? Let's do a fucking like the Ma- based on the Matt Fraction comic. Oh my book. god! Yeah, get so Fraction good. to even write screenplays potentially, and yeah, I could see him if they gave him something to chew on, sticking around yeah. and doing it for yeah. sure. 
Like, and I feel like something as the Matt Fraction Hawkeye run is something that Renner would be interested in. Hey, is Renner like Renner? Renner's a great, in my opinion. Like, if oh, you yeah. if, if you give Renner some good stuff to work, you know, some good stuff to work with. If you give him a good screenplay to chew on, like we've seen him, like you know, Hurt Locker was amazing, and then Wind River was fantastic. We've seen him work with some great stuff and some great directors. I mean, I see him like I see like him and Hiddleston. Like Hiddleston's doing one of these shows. I don't see any reason why Renner wouldn't. If they gave Renner like, like you know, like Renner was the guy. Renner was. Think about this. Renner is the. And I want to see Renner get some. Um, I want to see Renner get like some um, justification here. What, what's the word I'm looking for? Because Renner was the guy that was going to replace Jason Bourne, Matt Damon, Jason Bourne. Like they mm-hmm. had him in a Bourne mm-hmm. film. Right. Renner was the yeah. guy that they were grooming. They were grooming Jeremy Renner to replace um, Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise's character in Mission Impossible. Originally, yes, Jeremy Renner, you know, Hurt Locker actor, big star. They were grooming him to take over the role. Not they weren't going to have him play Ethan Hunt, but he was going to take over as the guy. That was going to take over the Mission Impossible franchise. That didn't happen. You know, that didn't happen. It didn't happen for him in the Bourne movies either. It's like, I want to see this guy fucking like, you know, be, be able to get step. Get his action Yeah. Moment. Get his fucking moment, man. Because like, I fucking, I think Jeremy Renner is a fantastic actor when you give, when you put him in the right stuff. And I think like, he could be, like, I don't think we've seen the best out of Renner and Hawkeye that we could have gotten here. Like when you've got Hawkeye, you know, in, starring in the same movie. Is like you know fucking Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans as Cap, and like you know even the just the Hulk himself and Thor. Like it's hard to be like, oh man, I'm excited about that guy with the air, the bow and arrows, <laughs> right? Yeah, and if they haven't helped you either, like he was kind of a joke the first couple appearances, yeah. And everyone kind of made fun of just how fast they shortchanged him and flipped him to the evil character and wrote him out of the story as yeah. quickly as possible. Yeah, he's like the equivalent of like Marty McFly's girlfriend in back to the future part two basically they just dump him on the fucking porch as fast as fucking possible ah, yeah. and like move on to the story you he's know? the he's the elizabeth shoe of the avengers oh <laughs> 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 but yeah i mean if you follow that metaphor at all it's basically exactly what they do with it them, did. Like in the you're first right first fucking movie yeah i just hope that like a disney plus show wouldn't be an insult to honka hey let's get back to captain marvel and let's talk about <laughs> Let's talk about it's fun. I like talking about this shit. Let's talk about what Captain Marvel 2 could be about. Like, where are they going to go? What's the direction with Captain Marvel 2? I think the easy thing to think to yourself is like, oh, they're going to catch Captain Marvel up to like what's going on in the modern timeline of the MCU. I think that Captain Marvel kind of sets it up that they are. uh, First off, I'm going to say that I think that this film that we just watched is planting the seeds to secret invasion. Um, and I do hope that the next film that they do bite off of what wonder woman is doing. Wonder woman is going to 1984. And I hope that this next movie sets it up for some time in the early two thousands. Um, we had Ronan. Mm-hmm. We had Ronan in this movie, played by Lee Pace. Lee Pace comes back and plays uh, Ronan the Accuser in this movie. And at the end of the movie, he says, we're going to come back. He says, we'll come back for the weapon. And uh, his, uh, you know, the guy behind him, his you know, right-hand man says, the core? And he says, no, the woman. 
And so <laughs> there's, they're, they're basically saying like, they're, they're, like that story's not done. Like if this mm-hmm. is the, you know, like if this is the last that, if that's it, if that's what that amounts to, that's bullshit. That's Agreed. bullshit. Lee Pace didn't come back just for this. Right. Well, I, but the thing is like the only problem that I have with that really is like, we do know how like Ronan, the accuser meets his demise. So, like in the next movie, if like he's the big bad, if he's the big bad in Captain Marvel two, like we already know that he's not going to die in that movie. Which that's fine. I'm fine with that. I, that's fine. I don't think he'd be the big bad though. I feel like he would be tethered with someone. Sure. Kind of the the accusers by nature, or kind of you know a force that gets pointed at things by someone else. Yeah. So I, I I could see that him just being tethered with another character, but still having a very big part. You know. Also, we know Fury has the pager. Uh, Fury also said, if you're ever back in this galaxy, look a brother up. And so, you know, who knows? She might just swing by. We might get Fury in space in the next movie. And I think that that would be fantastic. Um, I also think that we're far from seeing these two team up. They, I think that audiences loved it. Um, I think it, I, I think Brie Larson and Samuel Jackson together on screen have great chemistry. I don't think they're done with that. They are not done with that. I do not think that we're going to go not. to like modern times like right now. I think that there's still plenty of story to be set here. I think the second film, I think we will see Carol doing what she said she was going to do in Captain Marvel and she's going to end this war. Uh, I think that this is also going to like we're going to see maybe her even possibly kind of like set up you know, what happens eventually by guardians where she sets up the treaty between the Xandarians and the Kree that we saw in the first guardian. Hmm. Like we, uh, that's not going to happen here clearly in this movie, but it's going to be like, kind of like putting that in motion. Cause like that treaty mm-hmm. actually doesn't happen until 2014. Like when you first start watching guardians, the treaty between the Kree and the Xandarians is is then set up in that movie. Like he hears the announcement in in the uh, the Milano. Um, but I think part of like getting the ball rolling in that is probably Captain Marvel doing what she's doing. Um, and also in Captain Marvel, we see Talos and um, um, and his family. And they kind of set that up a little bit. Talos and his wife and and their daughter and everything. And I think in the second movie, I think we're going to get more Talos. I think we're going to get more of his wife and his family. And if you look in the credits, his wife's name is Soren. But they, I think that they intentionally unnamed his daughter in the credits. And I think that this is a setup that they have on purpose. I think that the movie shows her relationship with her father um, which and Jake, you mentioned the scene earlier where he wants the the wife to like cover the eyes of the daughter, right? Mm-hmm, so she mm-hmm. doesn't see the violence and things like that. And um, and then um, he starts killing the Cree, but she does look and she sees him killing Cree. But it's almost like she's not bothered by it, and it's like she's also kind of like proud of her father for doing this. You can kind yeah, of, it's a very interesting like yeah. dichotomy where it's like he doesn't want her to see it, right. but she sees it anyway. But yeah, you're right; she's not phased by it, so she's kind of a little bit hardened, and maybe that assists her in the future. I think in the next film we're going to see a much older, and this is all speculation, but I think in the next film 
we're going to see her with Talos's family, and I think we're going to see the daughter of Talos older, and uh, somewhere in the film, you know, fighting this uh, you know, Kree Skrull war. I think Talos is going to die at the hands of the Kree, and maybe Captain Marvel could have saved him and didn't for one reason or another, or she could like, or or she just couldn't save him, and the daughter resents Carol for this. And we're going to find out at the end of that movie that the daughter's name was Varanki, which is in the comics. Queen Varanki was the main antagonist for Secret Invasion. I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot, too. I would really love to see this character again and grown up and kind of what happened because of all these of these events in this movie. And that's the end of that's the end of Captain Marvel, too, is we find out that this character is uh, Queen Veronki. And so basically, Carol, at the end of Captain Marvel, the first movie is trying to do a good thing. She's trying to Mm -hmm. find this race of aliens, a place to live in the galaxy. She's trying to do a good thing. And then guess what? By the end of it, it ends up biting her in the ass just like Tony who created Ultron mm-hmm. Ultra, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It kind of mirrors that where Tony's trying yeah. to do this good thing. He's trying to create these suits. He's trying to create this artificial intelligence, a protector. And then all of a sudden Ultron ends up biting him in the ass and tries to take over the whole planet and kill everybody. What if it's something where like, like Talos and, and Carol team up or something that he, he agrees to go with her to do something and then ends up, you know, dying and it's for something for Carol. So the daughter even maybe doesn't see it happen. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, just, him. it's the same thing that I'm saying. It's just like, whatever, yeah. what it's like, uh, you know, uh, point a point B, like whatever, whatever gets mm-hmm. you there, like whatever happens, yeah. Talos ends up dying and the daughter resents Carol for it. And so at that point, it's like, well, now I'm going to now now secret invasion can happen by Captain Marvel part three. Like, you know, just like we saw, mm-hmm. you know, like Captain America was called Civil War. Uh, mm-hmm. Captain Marvel part three could be Captain Marvel secret invasion. So yeah. I like that. I like that a ton because like it fills in the blanks. Like if we if it does follow the Wonder Woman and the X-Men prequel thing where we're just moving a few years ahead until we finally meet up to the current. Yeah. When you do that third movie, Captain Marvel Secret Invasion, then you could show why the threat is there right now before the actual event of it all. I think that's actually a, a really brilliant synopsis of how you could still do Secret Invasion. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really cool, too, because then it's like then it's throwing Carol like for another loop, right, where it's like she originally was like they were the enemy. Now they're not the enemy. I help out. Oh, no, shit. They're kind of the enemy again. And it's kind of my fault. So it's like a weird kind of like circling back to to like and, and the original plot line. Well, and they also made like the, they made a big deal of like having uh, Monica Rambeau hang out mm-hmm. with the daughter in the house and talk about, oh, how, how she has pretty eyes. Never change your eyes and and all these things. And, 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 and so, you know, does that mean that like now by the second movie, uh, Captain Marvel Part Two or by Captain Marvel Part Three, we're like, you know, 10, 15 years in the future. Could we see a Monica Rambeau who now, you know, can be, uh, you know, um, a superhero as well? Because that happened in the comics. Yeah, I love it. She it, Photon, right? Or she's a different mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, right? There was the okay. Avengers, Avengers West Coast character. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. I, I'm, there, I'm, OK, so like 
you had Marvel, you had Marvel, and then like the second one, the second one was uh, Maria Rambo. She was the second Captain Marvel. The they third, the white like low cut with just yellow star and mostly piled around with the West Coast, right? I'm, I think her suit was like white and black. I, mean, what, it was the, I think it was, it was gray. gray. Wasn't it gray? Wasn't her suit gray? Oh Maria Rambo. I'm looking it up. <laughs> you had like five Captain Marvels before they right, finally got to Carol being Captain Marvel. Like they yeah. like a fucking uh, scroll was uh, Captain Marvel before Carol was. She was Carol was Ms. Marvel. Then she was binary. And then she finally they finally made her Captain Marvel back in like 2012. When, uh, yeah, yeah, this is this is the character I'm thinking of exactly. It, it, it it's been gray at times, it's been white at times. Okay, but yeah, been with the West Coast gotcha. Avengers, West Coast Avengers, in the '70s and stuff, and yeah, nice. The mantle has has moved around quite a bit. It has, yeah. So, um, I just but there's also there's also that scene right um, towards the end of Captain Marvel where you know if, if she's gonna fly a spaceship up there and then Nick Curry's like ha 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 and Carol's like yeah. well, you don't know that what if you know wait what if either she has powers or she doesn't but she actually becomes a hero by going into space and you know trying to help out and mm-hmm. then that's how she gets some powers like what if that's foreshadowing for her yeah I, th- I think there was a lot of foreshadowing going on with the daughter Monica I I really do I think they were laying the groundwork for her to for her character to in, in the future to do something important. And um, a- absolutely, I think th- this movie, I love the curveball with the scrolls, but I do think it is going to come right around and we will still see Secret Invasion because it's just, it's just such a good, it's not even good. It's an amazing storyline that it would be, it would be criminal not to make that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it, it, you, you've got to make that movie. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I'm, completely convinced now that we set that story up like just because we saw what we saw now doesn't mean we don't have two movies worth of time before we get back all right yeah uh skype is just wonderful tonight and uh, just jake you were talking and knocked you. i did uh, did you remember what your thought was oh shit i <laughs> don't worry about it don't even worry about it um I don't know how many more stanley cameos we have left i know we have one left for avengers endgame Kevin Feige kind of made it sound like in a recent interview. Um, let me see if I have that quote. I, I, I believe I do have it. Maybe I I'll... remember you reading this um, when it first hit, too, this quote. Stanley Future Cameos from comicbook.com. Here we go. After confirming that Stanley will be seen in Avengers Endgame, Feige pointed out to a Spider-Man Far From Home cameo being a possibility, as at least a couple more have been shot Featuring the legendary comic book creator. We'll see, he teased. We're heading. We shot a couple of others. So we're coming up on the last of them. Yes. Does that mean we'll see him in Black Widow? So I, it, we don't know. I, I don't think so as far as Black Widow's concerned. But uh, I, th- I feel like Far From Home's the end. God if, damn it. If, if the- oh, Jake, I, I, I would love to see his final appearance be in a Spider-Man movie, a character that he created and a character that he loved. So just as yeah, long that's as very fitting, just as long as they don't show that fucking uh, tribute to him at the beginning. Right. <laughs> well, at least it would be for a character he created. I know. Thank God. They, you know, they should have held on to that for a few months after the after the man's death. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, they already did. It has been a few months. Well, they can't. Oh, yeah, let's, let's release the movie a few months early because Stanley passed away. They can't do. They have. They had the March eighth date set up and everything, and they were like, you know what? Let's pay tribute to the man as soon as we can after his death, just like uh, Deadpool uh, Once Upon a Deadpool did. Jake, you are just so cynical. No, again, again, my complaint <laughs> isn't that they paid tribute. Like I'm, I'm just how they did it. Tribute, how they did it, I thought was shite. Mm. Oh, I thought it was sweet and endearing, and I loved it. And I loved seeing like Stan, all the different Stans smiling there and having a good time. Uh, whether he was doing a cameo for the movie or whether he was just hanging out with the cast and crew. So I don't know. Anyway, how do we get back to this nonsense? Because I, I want to give you, I want to give you some more shit about it. <laughs> How can you? How can you not enjoy that? What the fuck is wrong? What's wrong yeah, with I you? Have, I saw the movie twice, and the first time I was like, I had an ill reaction to it, and I I just didn't know. And then the second time I was like, Yeah, I hate this. Yeah, I could just see Jake like everybody in the theater going, Ah, and Jake throwing his hands up. Jake throwing, yeah. <laughs> throwing his hands up and like, Ah, oh, come on, are you kidding me? Oh man, that's yeah, the part of Stanley I didn't like, where he like puts himself on top of other people's creations. Jake, if if um, hold on, <laughs> hold on, if here's here we go. If I uh, I'm gonna get morbid. If I die, oh no. If I die next week, I don't want you doing anything to tribute me until you hit a Tupperwares episode next year. All right. Uh. That's I a- promise you, it'll be there'll be so much taste to that tribute too. <laughs> it won't be some fucking bunch of Brian's at the beginning. I want, yeah, I want you to play, and I want you to play like uh, you know a bunch of like old clips of me. And I want you to hold. Up. I don't want you to acknowledge me in my in my life or my contributions to like this pathetic podcast until <laughs> until the Tupperwares episode, which is our award ceremony at the end of the year. I'll tell you what, I just found my first clip right now. <laughs> i love it i love it all right yeah oh man somewhere stan is just rolling in his grave and he cannot believe what they did the the the, what they did to honor him he's just like surely stan loves it Oh, it's, 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 it's just Jake. Jake has a problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what really matters here. <laughs> yeah, Stan wishes instead of de-aging Samuel Jackson, they would have just made it Stan Lee. I mean, you know. Uh, they, they could have at least, like, de-aged Stan to make him look like he did in... Uh, Mall rats, right? In mall rats, yeah, that yeah. would have been appropriate. We could have had I, mall- been, I don't think that would have been... Um, bad taste at all that no no that's just that's 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 classic marvel style god i love Mar- Rats. that movie was not appreciated it's a good movie i love the meta idea of like because stanley plays stanley in mall rats right like yeah. if you break this down yeah so now we've established that stanley as stanley exists in the marvel cinematic universe right where all these characters that he created exists so what exactly is stanley famous for in the marvel cinematic universe that he would even be getting a cameo on mall rats in the first place for oh wow yeah and you know and, and <laughs> guardians of the galaxy volume two didn't they establish him as like one of the watchers 
Yeah, yeah, that, that's a that's a that's a good point too. Yeah, but obviously, <laughs> like they by having the Mallrats cameo, they've assigned that he is a famous person. Yeah, but he, he can't. He kind of can't. You're be stepping into creating. Yes, you're stepping into fourth wall breaking like Deadpool territory with this cameo, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying I don't love it, but it definitely it's like what's he fucking famous for? Like he he couldn't have created Spider-Man and Captain America, right? Because they're not fictional characters in this. Universe. Right, they're not. They're not. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, Jake. You're blowing my fucking mind. <laughs> but in the Mallrats yeah. movie that he's rehearsing, they're asking him questions about the fictional characters that he created. Yeah. Well, they're talking about Thing, too. And they're talking about Spider-Man. And they're talking about, oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> so that's, I don't know. It just opens up a whole, like, can of worms. Did you see the picture of Kevin? Hard did you see the picture of Kevin Smith, like, crying on Instagram? I did. I yeah. did. Yeah, that was great. That that was very. I loved it. That was very because, emotional. It, it was yeah. beautiful because he was like, I cannot believe what they did. Like, he's like wide eyed. His face is all red. Yeah. His hair is crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, I thought I thought that was a that was a great picture. Well, if you listen to like, you know, like uh, his tribute to Stanley, you know, it's uh, that podcast that he did on uh, Smodcast. It was just like. You know, he did have like a, 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 a like a twenty plus year relationship with Stan, and so like this move, like this is like this is like kind of like the culmination of that. You know, like it's such a small thing. I know, like like um, in the in the in the scope of the movie, it's such a small thing. It's such a small scene, but to Kevin, it means the world because like he's interviewed Stan like multiple times many times had him star in his movie and probably one of the most memorable scenes that stanley's ever been in is mall rats you know and uh and here and and it's it, it's it's a you know mall rats was a movie that kevin made and and here it is it's all kind of coming together a stanley cameo sure. and 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 kevin's movie mall rats and like their whole 20 plus year relationship and it's all coming together here in this one movie it's kind of like I can't, I can't imagine being Kevin Smith and sitting in the theater and seeing that and not getting emotional. So good for him. Yeah. 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 I, like, I liked it a lot. And the too. fact that Kevin Smith last year in February suffered like that, uh, that, uh, that heart attack. And uh, they call it that the heart attack that, they, that he had, they call it the widow maker because it kills 80% of the people that, uh, that, that this artery that clogs up or whatever, it, it, it takes 80% of the people that have this kind of like uh, heart attack and, and uh, Kevin survived it. So like this is to, just to have Kevin here with us now just means a lot. So, wow. Can I ask a, um, can I ask you a Captain Marvel sequel question, Brian, that I've kind of been wondering? Yes, please. Do you think we'll see goose again ever? Yes, I do. Goose is not a regular cat that lives a regular cat lifespan. Cats can live a lifespan of, you know, 19, 20, 21 years, typically. Uh, Goose is a fucking Flurkin. It has not been confirmed in the comic books how long a Flurkin lives. Flurkin is a new thing in the comic books, probably within the last, you know, five, six, seven years when Kelly Sue DeConnick introduced uh, Flurkins into the Marvel, into the Marvel 616 universe. So I do 100% think that we will see goose show up in another marvel movie whether the next movie is is set in the early 2000s or whether the next movie is set in present day uh who wins in a war between the flarkins and the rathtars uh flarkins all day 
Yeah, you think so? Yeah, 100%. Like, Rathars in the uh, um, Star Wars universe, like, they don't have, like, pocket dimensions in their stomachs. Yeah, good point, good point. They did seem very similar to me with the tentacles, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, great question. Anybody else? Anybody else? Uh, <laughs> I'm fielding questions right now. <laughs> I, you know what? Um, I Anna Bowden and uh, Ryan Fleck, the directors of this movie, hats off to them. Um, the picture, the picture uh, that uh, um, it was a picture that um, – uh, Brie Larson's Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, was looking at when they were when they were looking at the files, and she sees the picture of uh, Wendy Lawson, uh, Maria Rambeau, and then herself off to the side with the jet. And there was a guy in that picture. Was that was that Ryan Fleck? It looked like Ryan Fleck, the director of this film. Uh, I wouldn't be able to pinpoint him like Fleck like that. You'd be better at that one. Than <laughs> what the Fleck? I, I thought. <laughs> 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 it looked like Ryan Fleck to me, so I thought it looked like Ryan Fleck. But um You saw a little Fleck on the photo? Yeah, I was like, oh what the Fleck? That's Fleck. <laughs> Holy Fleck is what I said. I said that in the theater. I said, Oh, I loved it when uh um when uh the Fury says uh Mother Flurkin. Oh, that was great. That was very funny because, yeah, it, yeah I, that's that's a great little uh, Sam Jackson thing uh, for sure. Yeah, that was very funny. I'm telling you, uh, I, I love this movie. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Oh, here's another theory that uh, I wanted to thank one of our listeners, uh, Chris Christofferson. Is it Chris? No, Chris Christofiak. I don't know what your fucking name is. Chris Christopherson, <laughs> the actor? Yeah, that's wow. a, yeah, I know. Like, I think on a previous episode, I made the joke of Chris Christopherson, but our listener's name is Chris Christofiak. So I, yeah. Um, but uh, whatever the fuck your name is, I want to thank you. He's the fucking gambler. Just call him that. He sent me a, uh, a post here uh, from somebody on Reddit. Uh, and it was by user Caver's Blood, Caver's Blood, and uh, it's titled Captain Marvel Nebula's Connection? Question mark. And it's tagged as a spoiler on Reddit. And I read this theory, and I'm going to read it to you guys here real quick. Uh, it's a theory about Nebula based on events that actually happened in Captain Marvel. So it has spoilers for it. Uh, Basically, Talos' daughter is Nebula in this theory, and therefore she is a Skrull. If I'm correct, we will see, likely see her origin story in Endgame, since she is a big character in the Infinity Gauntlet saga, and the movies haven't portrayed her as a main character yet. So basically, this whole spoiler that this user is presenting here is that the daughter of Talos is Nebula... The, the nebula that we know. This movie takes place in 1995, so this character grows up and is and is uh, brought in by Thanos and is trained as an assassin. So all is, the stuff happened, like all the. It, that seems too far fetched with the Thanos like genetic manipulation, like how he wouldn't know at that right. point. I, like right, he's Jake. I'm totally with you like everybody on reddit was kind of like saying yeah i totally thought this too i totally see this and blah 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 
Um, let me. The torture scene makes no sense. Yes. After once you apply this, it, yeah. it's very weird. Here we go. This this person goes on to say basically, uh, Talos's daughter is Nebula, and therefore she is a scroll. Uh, in Captain Marvel, Ronan says that they will return to get the woman. Referring to Carol Danvers, since Ronan never went back to Earth, it could be that he followed the scrolls looking for Carol, and a scroll, Talos's daughter, Nebula, could have shapeshifted to protect her, being kidnapped in her place. If there was a massacre, this could have this could give further reason for Nebula to hate Thanos. Uh, once kidnapped, she would turn out to be a disappointment to Thanos as she lacks Carol's powers. So Thanos would have her body replaced with cybernetic parts and train her. But always tra- uh, trailing Gamora. Uh, the similarity of their origin story would deepen the perception of her being Gamora's shadow. Blah, blah, blah. This goes on for quite a while. This you know, this guy types a bunch of more shit here i'm not saying like i like i appreciate like the you know that's that's cool like you know man you really went for it here and that's a that's an interesting theory but i'm not buying this at all if you go to the marvel wiki uh in the movies it says that nebula is from a race called lufamoids and lufamoids are a blue and purple skinned humanoid race and nebula is a member of this race and it also goes into the history of the Lufamoids as far as Nebula is concerned. And it says the warlord Thanos killed a family of Lufamoids, taking their daughter, Nebula, as his own and training her to be an assassin. So Lufamoids are a distinctively humanoid people with light purple skin pigments, pupilless eyes and lacking hair. It is probable that they have more human-like physicalities as Nebula was outfitted with various cybernetic enhancements that differentiate her with her original physical attributes. So basically, unless Talos dropped his daughter off with a family of Lufamoids to keep her safe, this doesn't make sense. Because like, even though we find out in Captain Marvel that the scrolls can change when they change, they basically change themselves on a on a DNA level to match whatever that they're turning into. I still find it hard to believe that after like all the alterations that Thanos did to her body, that she still would look lufamoid. Like she never would like revert back to looking like her, you know, scroll self at any point in time. It's just it just it right. seems like a stretch that that mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, because I feel like whenever they get hurt in Captain Marvel, they also then go back to their original form. Right. Well, like, they die or they you know, get hurt. Yeah, exactly. You know, like because even like the science guy, right? When he gets shot, he yes. instantly goes back to scroll. So it's like anytime she would get hurt, she would yeah. then you would think go back to scroll form just because she can't do it anymore because she's focused on an injury. Well, well, uh, you've got Nebula who was taken from her family. Yeah. That were a family of Lufamoids, so. That would either mean that Talos turns the whole family into Lufamoids or Talos <laughs> drops his daughter off with a family of Lufamoids. Yeah, I like I like the Secret Invasion one better. <laughs> yeah, me <Yes>. too. <laughs> like that cuz that just takes that whole possibility out the window too. If she's Nebula the whole time like what? Like no. Do you think that Lufamoids use loofahs to scrub their bodies? <laughs> When they clean themselves. Potentially. Oh, no. 
100% yes. It's not just the clever name. It's it's what they do. Loof. Like, oh my gosh. If I was, if if I were to come out with a loofah that was targeted towards fans of the Incredible Hulk, I would call it the Lufa Ferrigno Lufa. Lufa Ferrigno. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be it would be a green lufa and I would call it lufa ferrigno. Oh boy. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> I think about buying that. You would totally buy that if you saw that sitting on the shelf for a buck ninety nine. Yeah, definitely. Buck ninety nine and it said lufa ferrigno and it was just a green lufa. You would be like, holy fuck, I am taking that home. I am washing my ball sack with a loofah for it. <laughs> yeah, I'd give it a go. <laughs> They've got to be green too, right? It, 100%. To. Yeah, Maybe, for sure. gray. Maybe gray. Maybe gray because, Jake, hold on. Let's figure that out. I, and we're going to end this. I'm done. But, you know, like <laughs> the very first appearance of the Hulk – like weren't was they wanted him to be green, but like because of like the ink and the way that it printed, he turned out gray. Yes, and it was it was a money issue, and then they realized it would be too costly to make him green. So at first he was not. Yeah, and so like by the second issue they fixed it, and he was green by that next issue. But that first issue he was gray, and so like that's like. Didn't like Peter David. That was kind of like the inspiration for Peter David to make him gray when he was like kind of like Professor Hulk, right? Uh, oh yeah, the Mister Fix It. Mister Fix It. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, um, the inspiration definitely came from like just kind of the bad. Like it was he was kind of notoriously not like kept on continuity color correctness the yeah. whole time. If you know what I'm saying. So yeah, Peter David tried to explain the color variations a little bit yeah. with the fix it storyline and other stuff. So yeah, I love that stuff. I, I hope eventually we get to see some of that stuff adapted to the movie. Yeah. I, mean, remember, I love red Hulk. I, mean, that's a whole nother I thing was just going to say that, but like, remember the rumors that like general Ross was going to be red Hulk in like a previous movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be I, I, I remember that. Yeah, I would I would be here for that. I'd be fine for a whole new Red Hulk mystery to happen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, I love the idea of here's a Hulk. Which character is this? Mm -hmm. I love the idea that I think that I personally was the first person to ever come up with Lufa Ferrigno. That is a (laughs) green Lufa. Oh, you you won't get some angry listener with the fucking copyright infringement. You won't like, yeah. Oh, come on, you won't like me when I'm angry and I'm rubbing like you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you won't like me when I when I'm foamy. Yeah, you won't. (laughs) (laughs) Foamy. You won't like. That's what it says on the package, Jake. You won't like me when I'm foamy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, Captain Marvel. That's a movie that just happened. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I cannot. Honestly, I think that this was a great origin story. I think you can only go up from here. Part of me, like, I don't know. Part of me wants to see, like, I would love to see them come out with a linear edition of this movie. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Like, yeah. Just a, like a fan recut. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Right. I mean, kind of, I don't know. I, I, I thought that this, God damn it. I, I really feel like if they would have gone, if they wouldn't have done this memory loss story that we would have just gotten another Captain America movie. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. feel for sure. I feel yeah, like the, pace, the pacing yeah. and the cut and the, and the way they presented the story was genius. And I was not expecting it with yeah. kind of the way people were calling it just a run of the mill origin story going in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But we all fit, we all fanboyed about this though. We're gonna hear that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I just can't wait to see her. Like when she knows all of her powers, it's been like you know twenty years, and then she's like fighting Thanos. I can't wait to see her like play with all the Avengers. I what can't wait you... to see her t- messing with Tony Stark. Yeah. Like I, I, <laughs> we have to have that Captain scene too, where like they say Captain and they both turn around. Like oh yeah, that was something that I mentioned on Facebook. I said that I want to see a scene of. Mm-hmm somebody say captain or cap and both her and and uh, steve turn around because you know and, and i'm exactly yeah. and i, and I want to see her get the name i want to see her get the name captain marvel where does yes. it come from yes exactly because you know? like nobody called her captain marvel in this movie mm-hmm. at all and we didn't get the title card until the end of the film right yeah definitely stuff that we're going to get in the next movie i think that's exciting. Uh, Brie Larson, pretty fucking awesome, shows up to an AMC theater and uh, works at the concession stand for fans. <laughs> pretty amazing. Yeah, pretty, that was pretty funny. I loved her like kind of like half-ass costume, too. Who's on an oxygen yeah. machine over there? Oh, that's the water running in the other Is that room. the water? <laughs> like, I thought, like, somebody, have, you, have you seen those commercials for the Inogen <laughs> oxygen machine? I Rebecca, have not. I have Rebecca, not. Is it like, Rebecca, I know you watch a lot of the Pluto TV. Yeah. Have you seen the Inogen Oxygen commercial? Uh, I don't think I've seen that one yet. Here's the thing. Let me, let me throw this. Familiar. Yeah, we're going to. Hey, guys, we're, I think we're done talking about Captain Marvel. So if you want to bounce out of here now, you can't. But I watch. I go to the Pluto channel, uh, the what channel, where they show a lot of like the, the rock of love and the I love New York and the flavor of love and uh, the surreal life and stuff. And the commercials that they show in between shows are hilarious. One of them is uh, the uh, the addict. Nah, it's not hilarious. I shouldn't say it's hilarious. Hold on. This is what they think of their list. This is what they think of their viewers. The first commercial that they show is uh, the Addiction Network for people that are addicted to like <laughs> you know drugs and stuff like that. And then the other commercial that they show is uh, people that need these uh, portable oxygen machines. And so basically, that's I, you constantly see these commercials all. The, oh, and the My Pillow guy. So basically, they're saying that all of their listeners need a good night's sleep, are doing drugs, and can't breathe because they smoke too much. <laughs> that's what they think of all their listeners. They don't think too much of the the viewers of Pluto TV. Oh my gosh, you should yeah, see. I, this. I've seen the My Pillow commercial a lot <laughs> oh on Pluto God. TV, and I'm just like, ugh stop with this commercial oh my god they show this guy like the like the guy opens this medicine cabinet and there's the the my pillow guy and he's like hugging a pillow and he's like yeah, it's, my, <laughs> it's my it's my patented fill it'll help you get a great night's sleep and i like if i opened my medicine cabinet and i saw this mustachioed motherfucker staring at me hugging a pillow <laughs> i would fucking i would probably take i would probably take my lufa ferrigno and shove it into his mouth <laughs> And hope to suffocate this guy. And, uh, and the, the woman, the woman that they have in the commercial for the uh, Inogen oxygen, that's the portable oxygen machine. That's, 
<laughs> this woman that they have in this commercial, they're like, they're like, she's like, she's like, oh, do I love my antigen oxygen machine? You bet I do. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> she looks like if you've ever seen, uh, 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 it's always sunny in Philadelphia. She looks like Mrs. Mac, which is Mac's mom in that show. She looks like that woman with an oxygen machine on, like uh, the oxygen mask on her face and shit. Oh, you ask me if I love my antigen? You bet I do. And it's like, oh my gosh. It's like everybody, they, that's what they think of their fucking viewers. People that sit around watching like a uh, flavor of love, like 12 year old reruns of flavor of love. They think that those the people that you watch must that not shit. Be able to breathe. People, yeah. those are people. What else those, are you doing? Exactly. What those people are smoking five packs of cigarettes a day. They've got a fucking shitty vertebrae because they're sleeping on the fucking ground because they're I don't know they're sleeping on their fucking floor. They, like like they have a, and then uh, they're addicted to something. They're addicted to pills, so they got this addiction network guy. And so, yeah, they're, they're always talking about this addiction network. <laughs> Call right now Man. if you're addicted to crack cocaine or whatever the fuck. I don't know. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, goodness. Remember crack? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's end this bad boy. Uh, before. <laughs> hey, guys. I loved Captain Marvel. I thought it was fantastic. Can't wait for the sequel. When do you think... Do you think we're going to get Captain Marvel 2 before we get Aquaman number 2? Aquaman number 2, guys, is scheduled for 2022. Yes, 100% yes. Yeah, I think we got Captain Marvel 2 before that. When do we get Captain Marvel number 2? Are we going to get Captain Marvel number 2? And Guys, I don't know. I think, it, I think it could be another. So you're saying 2021 we're getting Captain Marvel 2? Yeah, I think the, I think the money's going to talk, right? I mean, that's uh, Marvel listens to that, and the money the money's here, so they're going to fast track this. I, oh you know, yeah, like Guardians one to Guardians two, it's a big hit, so we're going to move along with that too, real fast, like. Yeah, yeah I think you I, have to. Yeah, mm-hmm. they are absolutely going to going to capitalize on this, and so yeah, I I don't see them waiting until twenty twenty two to put out another Captain Marvel. I think. 2021, the latest we get Captain Marvel 2. Are we sticking uh, – has Captain Marvel – has it catapulted itself into Guardians of the Galaxy status to where now it's going to get that summer release? Uh, are they going to keep it on International Women's Day or are they going to be giving it that summer release? I happen to think that they're going to do what they're going to do with Black Panther. I still think that Black Panther is going to come out in February. Um, yeah. Black Panther 2. I feel so, like that. So I feel like that date. Yeah, and I think they're going to do that here with Captain Marvel again. Yeah, I think, I mean, I get why you would say, oh, let's move it to the summer release. But I really like that it came out on International Women's Day. And uh-huh. I would like to see that stay true. Just that I agree with you about Black Panther. I think Black Panther 2, whenever it comes out, should come out in in. In February, and I think that Captain Marvel should come out on International Women's Day. I think Mm -hmm. it's proven that you don't need a summer Mm -hmm. blockbuster release. This movie made 500 plus million worldwide in its opening weekend. So the fans will come out and see it. The same thing happened with Black Panther. It made a shit ton of money when it came out in February because the fans came out and see it. I'll see this movie at least two more times in the theater. And maybe more. Mm-hmm. Did you guys get an Endgame trailer before the movie? I did not. Me neither. I didn't either. I got mostly all Disney stuff. Like I got mm-hmm. Dumbo. I got Frozen Two. Yeah. Um, I got. I did get. Else? I got Dark I got. Phoenix. I got Dark Phoenix, and I got Spider Man Far From Home. 
Yep, yep, I got those two also. I got those two as well. Oh, man. Uh, the Dark Phoenix looks so terrible on the IMAX big screen. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, let's see here. All right. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we will be back next week for a regular episode. And uh, just like all good leftovers say, any final, uh, guys, any final thoughts on Captain Marvel? Uh, not that I can think of. I'm, I'll tell you one thing. I, I was looking on my iTunes, and it's like the number 16 movie on iTunes right now, and you won't even be able to watch it there for like probably five months. Wow. It made $153 million, I believe, this weekend. So. Yeah, That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. I'm just so glad it was good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like telling Rebecca earlier, I'm just so happy, and I'm glad that it's good yeah. because I was worried a little bit there just because – and they hadn't they hadn't done this yet, so. Well, yeah, exactly, and so yeah, this is our first introduction to the character, and I think that this will, I think this will be great. I think I think audiences will be really happy to see her again. Uh, this is basically like what they did last year with Black Panther. Like we got, mm-hmm. of course, we got Black Panther in Civil War, but we really got him in a solo movie uh, for Black Panther, and then next thing you know, like we're showing back up in Wakanda for uh, Avengers Infinity War and I think we we're all happy to be back in Wakanda and I think oh, yeah. we're all going to be happy to see uh, Captain Marvel show up in this movie and like you know like what can she do now to help the team so mm-hmm. god damn it I, totally. am, I am ready for Avengers Infinity War I'm ready I'm ready oh, exactly wait. it's like now that we saw this I'm like perfect now oh. I know where she's at I know uh-huh. where she stands I know where her powers are let's do this and I'm also <laughs> I am also <laughs> ready to patent the Lufa Ferrigno <laughs> what's super cool about the timing of Black Panther and Infinity War and now Captain Marvel and Endgame though is with the short release you've always got Captain Marvel to go see a bunch of times you know yeah. mm-hmm. to save yourself until Endgame comes out. So that's yeah. fun. After fucking uh, Infinity War came out last year, and I'd seen Infinity War five times in the theater, and then I was like, you know what? Black Panther's still in theaters. I saw Black <laughs> Panther another time in the theater while Avengers Infinity War was also still out in theaters, Jake. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's super cool. I'm sure Captain, it'll be the same thing here probably. Yes, I can't will. imagine Captain Marvel will be gone by the time Endgame comes out. No, it'll still be showing in theaters. I pretty much, yeah, I can pretty much guarantee that, that it'll still be showing in theaters. I, I, I honestly think that I will probably see this movie at least another two times before it leaves theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I'll definitely go see it at least one more time. I'd really like to catch it in 3D one more t- or at least once. Oh, you haven't yeah, seen it in 3D? Cool. You haven't seen it in 3D yet, Jake? No, just regular yeah. IMAX twice. I saw it in IMAX the first time and then the last two times I've seen it in IMAX 3D. And I think like what the 3D stuff that really works well is like the I'd say like the the space stuff being out in outer space. <laughs> it really I can does- tell there was stuff going on with the supreme intelligence that I yes. didn't really see. There was a. It didn't really like. It didn't do anything for the action scenes, like the '90s action scenes, where like she's jumping on the subway train and stuff like that. But it did do a lot for like the space stuff. And then on Earth, when they were having like the uh, spaceship battle, um, the kind of like the little dog fight in the mm-hmm. in the, in the uh, you know with uh, Minerva and uh, and uh, Maria Rambeau there at the end of the movie, it was really cool. R.I.P. Minerva. 
Yeah. I hope we see more of Maria too in the next one. I hope we just get an older Maria. Gemma Chan gets, I I love Gemma Chan. Big fan of Gemma Chan. Loved her in, loved her in humans. Loved her in that show on AMC. Love her. I think she's great. I think she's a fantastic actress, but uh, she gets like the most bullshit part in uh, (laughs) fantastic beasts. And then here, like they barely fucking use her in this movie. And they blow her up and they Mm -hmm. blow her up. She dies at the fucking end of the movie. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that made me sad. Yeah, I yeah that. same. Yeah. That, that got on my Minerva. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm done. <laughs> You're done at that one, Jake. That's the one that killed me. <laughs> Fuck all of you. Wow. Look at Ashley. The, the shade. Fuck you. I'm telling you. That, that, uh, that, lo- that Lufa Ferrigno is brilliant. <laughs> Agent Scrollson. Agent Scrollson. <laughs> you gotta. You uh, can we all agree on that? No. Like, that is. That, that, there are some. There are some flat. There are some flashes of brilliance, and you guys are not giving me flashes. I see flashes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Hey guys, just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week with episode 276. See ya. (laughs) Later, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. By the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Could it toss it? Could it taste it? Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. That original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers.
Leftovers.